Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Talk to recorded live. Um, it is August 20th, 2015 at 7.32 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time, and we are in Maine, up on the upper part of the East Coast, but we're not actually on the coast. We're up the Penobscot River, so Bangor is the third largest city in Maine. Portland's the largest, Lewiston second, and Bangor is third. Um, thank you, Desert Pete, saying the audio is good. I want to welcome everyone here tonight. Last week I had a bit of a rambling week. I was having a hard time thinking correctly and putting things together, and some days it's just like that. And like the next day I was like, hey, I thought of all these things I was going to talk about. Should have just done a little on-the-fly show, but, you know, life took over and there's all kinds of other things going on. Um, today I took some time sitting outside in a lawn chair just writing some um, – thoughts about some of the things that have come up this week and trying to get, you know, some idea of which which things are the most important because who the heck knows anymore? I mean, from one minute to the next, you don't know what's going on because they don't tell you anything. The media tells you nothing. We cannot go by anything they say because the little tiny bits they give you are totally slanted. They are put there to either draw your attention away from something going on, Hillary Clinton, or um, to make you scared, wildfires, um, and floods, car accidents, sinkholes. <laughs> All right, you get what I'm saying. Um, tonight, the last thing that was mentioned on ABC News with David Muir, I don't know if anyone was watching it. I was watching it because I was still eating. But they had two million hits today. I mean, likes on Facebook, so they're celebrating. I thought you'd like to know because that's oh so important. It's pretty bad when your national news that's only one half hour an evening has to include such things as Caitlyn Jenner's car accident and whether or not they have two million likes on Facebook. Please. All right. Um, <clears throat> I'm going to start with something tonight that I just found, you know, I find things by accident. Sometimes I call it serendipity. I really like serendipity because while you're looking for one thing, you find another, and you go, hey, this is really cool. And that's one of the things about educating yourself and reading and, and looking at things widely and, and actually considering what life's about and why we're here and all that kind of stuff. Because occasionally you'll come upon gems just like sitting there, and I don't even know why I saw this person, but... Um, this person had replied to someone else's posting on Facebook, and I went over to their Facebook to look at the rest of what they had and found out that this is a person who is a libertarian in Maine. This is somebody who has a name that people in the patriot community would recognize right off, but it's not the same person, and the name is Richard Light. Um, I don't know anything about this person. I'm not saying this is my best friend or that I am joining up with a group with any of these people because I don't 
do those kinds of things, I want to know who they are before I go any further with committing to anything. And it is especially true and especially important these days because we have so many traders amongst us that you probably have started to figure out. And it's not that hard anymore to spot them because if you've educated yourself and you've gone out reading widely and you know what's going on in the world, you can see the people that are giving you about 85% truth and then the other 15% is a little sketchy. And that is exactly how they operate so that they'll be believed. So, you know, when you see the next expert come on TV and tell you all about what you're supposed to do and think and everything, take it all with a grain of salt, including what I say. You don't know me. You might know me. You might think you do because you've talked to me for a while or I've been, you know, doing this show for a few years because we're on episode 214 now. But you don't know me unless we've met in person or, you know, you've had any kind of interaction. The only person that's in the chat right now that I know of for certain that I have met is Dottie. I don't know who the guests are, but Dottie's the only person I've met in person. I met her in person once. But I have to see somebody in person. I don't even I don't even allow people to be Facebook friends unless they have met a relative or friend in person or that I've seen them before, know them fairly well. I don't take people just because they happen to like following me. I'm trying to still stay low-key because there's people here in Maine that are freaking unbalanced, I want to say, and uh, don't know what their agenda is, but all you got to do is watch them a little while, and usually it'll, you'll be able to figure it out. But anyway, that's my little rant on that. So I'm going to go and open up the piece that I was talking about from this person's Facebook. I was very, very impressed with this person's way of expressing things. So... Um, his name is Richard Light, and he had put a like or a comment on somebody's page that I was reading the other day, and I really liked it. So I said, I'm going to keep this because this is like a very thought-provoking piece that he wrote. And I am, like I have told people, I have some tendencies towards socialism myself because there's certain things that I can see need to be done. But as far as forcing people into things, as far as forcing them to buy insurance and all of that stuff, no, I I you know, I don't think the government should be taking over every aspect of life, and you all you have to do is sit down and let them decide everything for you. So, you know, I I lean towards libertarian, and that's what this is, is libertarianism. This person is a libertarian. Um, but I'm what I'm trying to get at is listen to what he's saying about living, what he's saying about responsibility, etc. He wrote this on August 17th. Why I decided to change my future. Watching the growth of registering my life, it began to irk me that everywhere I turned for a good future, in quotes, I had to purchase years of school, purchase a test or several, and purchase a license every year for the rest of my practice. The reality was true in corrections, mental health, education, law enforcement, turning wrenches, and fighting fires. Getting to my job is a drain of money as I pay billionaire foreigners and the stock market and the road commission for my gas. I pay for my licensing, not only every facet of the transfer, health and death of the car, but also the use of the car. I pay either someone who owns my apartment or I pay for my plot of land. In the end, it looks great to me if I can get feebly unable to compete in the slave market 
and get enough means to pay for a lifetime of doing what I have been doing my entire life. For a moment, I thought that I might as well give all my means to the machine and hope that it will give me some of what was put in. Since my contribution would be lower over the average of breaking into the billionaire's pocket, it should be a bigger return than I put in. And the billionaire has plenty of money. And yet, that isn't how it works. Sure, the billionaire loses money, and I lose money, and I get back some money, but I am always poor, and others are always rich. What got in the way of the economic exchange? Where did my wealth go? If we look again, we see a common denominator. We see the government. The government was paid to take their money, and I paid the government to take my money, and we paid for the government to reallocate the money. But the government was able to determine how much money went to whom and had to take its cut from the pool. The government is big and well-paid, with great health care, great education, and a great retirement. The cure is in the community, and in using what you have in your community to make all the prosperity of the people come true. Retirement programs, food supplements, phenomenal technological, technical, and university educations, and the best and brightest doctors and nurses are all possible with a community that doesn't ship its funds and resources away for some promised return. Your community is whatever level of advancement you can imagine. A technological utopia, nihilism, Buddhist, dudist, I got a kick out of dudist, nudist, communist, socialist, anything other than harmful to other communities. Some communities have law enforcers, trash pickups, sewers, and other great services. A community whose taxes are 100% generated from the community is best suited to support itself with what it has. Small communities may need to join finances for certain tasks, outsourcing landfills or law enforcement, and all persons would have better options for work and prosperity when a community needs services, food, and furniture, as everything we need becomes less about what a freight liner can get to our home and more about what we can do as a community to pursue happiness, liberty, and life. A farmer can manage his crops, provide his own security, produce and thrive, while a genius engineer works in a scholastic empire of technologies and industry. The Constitution of the United States, the community empowered through individuals, because government of the people, by the people, for the people, shall not perish from the earth. And the two um, hashtags are Libertarian Revolution 2016 and uh, hashtag Light Numeral 4 ME, which is abbreviation for Maine. I, I was very impressed by that writing. It's a lot how I feel about things. Um, I think that when, you know, people listen to the conversations that I have with you, the opinions that I give on this show are are basically that people are responsible for themselves and their families. They are to take care of themselves and take care of their families. And if there's something left over, they should be looking out for their neighbors and seeing if they can help them. Um, and that's about it. I mean, we are not in charge of what happens in the entire world. There's no possible way we can be. But each person taking care of themselves, their families, and their neighbors would take care of the whole world. Think of it that way. Um, there's been a lot of um, talk lately about what can we do about this? What can we do about this? Problem solving all the time. People are trying to get their problems solved. And they think, you know, they'll use the type of language like, if you're not part of the solution, you're part of the problem, which is one of their favorite things. 
um, this week, more stuff about political correctness, more stuff about what people are allowed to say, how they stand, what they talk about, how they communicate with each other. You know what? It It is an interpersonal thing. When I was taking speech classes, um, they called it pragmatics, which is that you learn from experience in your culture how to communicate with other people. You don't need to be told by somebody who is a globalist how to communicate with other people. They don't have any idea. They're they're basically spouting back what they've been told to do. My mother taught us when we were kids that there was no way that you'd have bad manners if you just were, you know, acting in a decent, kind way to other people, then your manners would be right. Not to worry about which fork was where on the table. Because rule followers, they worry about things like that. They worry about how far away from the, t from the plate the fork is. You know, come on, is that important? Is it important if you have 2 million likes on Facebook? Come on, you know, people know better than that. Anyway, that was um, that piece I read was Richard Light, um, it says, running for Maine District 96 but fighting for all Mainers. I don't know if he's talking about for this fall. I don't know much about him at all. But it looks like he's been writing little pieces on his Facebook page for a while. I don't know when he started, but um, find a libertarian candidate or be one. The time is now. That was his August 12th post or one of them. And it's true, we do have everything in our life is, is uh, licensed, registered, et cetera. Okay, now on that same idea, <laughs> um, <clears throat> where we talk about all the time about the confrontations that people are having between the two parties, and that um, I'm always saying it's not the parties, it's not the parties, because people will try to drag me in. I've been on both sides. I've worked on both sides for political issues and for candidates. And... I can tell you that I wholeheartedly believe that it has nothing to do with political parties. That is one of the ways that people are kept arguing and kept off balance, so that they are always fighting for somebody or something. And really, we have the same goals. And I'm going to show you why I believe this is true. I had a, a, one of those Facebook things I put up because... Um, because I thought it was an interesting idea. Let me go find it. It was something that I had up last week, I think, around the time of the show, and I was thinking, why didn't I address it? Because I was thinking about it that day, but I forgot. Um, let me see if I can find it again real quick. Last week would have been, what, seven days would have been the 13th. And I can't tell you where mine is, because I'm still trying to stay a little under the radar, so... Don't blow my cover, Dottie. Not that it would be any big deal, but I'm still trying to protect some people. And also, I think that when some people are kept out from uh, the public eye, they are way more effective in that type of um, space. Because you can, you can do things that you wouldn't be able to do if people knew exactly who you are. Because then they can attack you easier. All right, this is called Gandhi's seven social sins, okay? And I had posted it because I liked the ideas in it. Because to me, if you're going to be talking about uh, big big ideas and you're arguing with people such as Amy Freed, who thinks Hillary Clinton's just, like, wonderful and that she didn't do anything wrong, which I saw on another exchange today on Facebook with someone, she was talking about how Hillary 
um, didn't do anything wrong because um, the emails that she got were not coming from a top secret server. They were coming from somewhere else. So I guess that means in her view that the middleman doesn't, um, the middleman absolves a person from all problems. And um, there were people saying back to her, uh, anybody in a position such as the Secretary of State would certainly as heck know that what was going through her server and coming through her emails was material that did not belong where it was. So there's been a lot of interesting things on that front too. But anyway, here's the seven social sins. Number one, wealth without work. Number two, pleasure without conscience. Number three, knowledge without character. Number four, commerce without morality. Number five, science without humanity. Number six, worship without sacrifice. Number seven, politics without principle. Those are the seven. And then it says Gandhi's grandson Aaron added number eight, rights without responsibilities. Good ones. I was like, yes, this is exactly what I would like people to get because it's, don't those all sound obvious? I mean, why would you think it's okay to, well, wealth without work, that's like, you know, you're not supposed to inherit anything. That's not what I'm getting at. But for somebody to take money from another person without working for it or from, a, you know, like assistance or whatever, that's how I would see it. Okay, now here's my point. So I have that up. And one person puts a like on it that is on the extreme conservative side. And one person puts a like on it that's on an extreme Democrat side. So the, these aren't just people that are moderate. They are extreme on either side, and they both liked it. What does that tell me? It tells me that there's common ground there, and what's happening is that people are being spun in one direction or another to to believe that these things are um, only on their side of the political spectrum and not on the other. So wealth without work, if you're on the progressive side, that's, you know, these are billionaires. They don't deserve to have all that money. They didn't get there without the help of the little people. Wealth without work on the conservative side would be, I'm not working hard and giving you my resources while you sit on your lazy ass and watch television or play video games or whatever that people do that suck off everybody else. So, But wealth without work is somewhere in the middle. It's somewhere in the middle. The same with all of them. Pleasure without conscience. I was thinking about how when we were, you know, in the 60s and how everybody was kind of having the free love thing going on. If you're older and you remember the 60s, like if you're a baby boomer, you remember this phrase, if it feels good, do it. There wasn't any conscience when, if you, if it feels good, do it. That's a justification. You can do whatever you want as long as it feels good. And I'm going to say in the defense of all the baby boomers, especially the ones that grew up around where I did, we were told from the time we were little kids that we could die at any moment. Remember the duck and cover thing I just played for you like last week or the, or the week before? We were told from the young age that this could be it, the last day you're alive. Well, you know, if that's the case, then I guess I'm going to drink another beer, right? We didn't. Where I grew up, we didn't have much um, drug abuse or anything. 
in the 60s because it was northern Maine and mostly what was going on up there was that kids were drinking. It has not changed. There's still parties getting broken up all over the place. It's just that nowadays they kind of ruin everyone's life instead of just telling them, we're calling your parents and you're going to be picked up and taken home. Um, so things have changed as far as enforcement, but not so much in, in uh, the regard of how people are. They're still doing the same things because pleasure, let's face it, who wouldn't take pleasure if they could have it? But with conscience, without conscience, bad, bad, bad. With conscience, well, you know, I find uh, pleasure without conscience to be such things as uh, living it up while other people who are close to you are suffering and having no care whatsoever about it, no conscience whatsoever about it. Because to me, those are the people that you're responsible for. You're not responsible for the people in another city, another state, another country, or Hillary Clinton's uh, bank balances. You're responsible for yourself and your family. So, you know, think on that a little bit. Um, some of the stuff like knowledge without character, you know, I was talking about knowledge to people in the last day or so. There's people out there who read a headline, think they know everything about what's going on, and have all kinds of opinions, and they go all over the place talking about the opinions. And to me, that's no different than a child or an incapacitated adult that you just caretake. They're, they're nobody you should waste your time with because at this point in the game, think how long it's been, how long it's been that we've been dealing with these kinds of things that have been going on with banks and insurance companies and politicians and stolen elections and liars and wars and all of this stuff. Genocides, et cetera, right? And there's still people that are sitting around saying, well, I don't think that's right. Why are they bothering her? They just don't like Hillary. It's because her husband was having an affair and she's a strong woman because she stayed with him. Give me a break. These people know better. If they don't, they're, they're just to be you know, in a caretaker type of situation where we just make sure that they're you know, bodily safe or whatever, lock them in their gated community or whatever so they, they'll be completely safe and secure and put lots of cameras on them because there's no way you're ever going to talk to those people and convince them of anything because they already know everything because they saw it on television or they saw it in a blog somewhere. They don't even know the difference between a blog and a column or an article or anything else because their education was deficient or they forgot it, something, I don't know, a little bit. Okay, commerce without morality. That's how I feel about globalization right there, and it's how I feel about sending chicken over to China and sending it back after it's been processed in China and farming things out from one part of the world to another and you don't know what's going to arrive on your doorstep or in your refrigerator. Um, not wanting to label food, et cetera. You know, it's like, where's the morality in this? You've taken people's jobs away. Trying to control whether or not they have a garden or that they burn wood or something else they have to do to support themselves. And it's all about whether you make money or not or your friends make money. And nothing about feeding people. So there's the commerce without morality sweatshops, that's all fine, as long as you don't have to see those little kids making something. Ship it right in here and sell it to everybody. Um, science without humanity, that's how I look at these robotic things, these drones, all this stuff that, you know, is blowing up and people are saying, what the heck just happened? And, you know, the, co the computers that are attacking each other in the networks and all that stuff right now. 
um, pretty big stuff going on in that department too. Um, I was looking today on the the um, North attack map, I think they call it, the one I showed you before if you hadn't seen it already. It's, um, it's a computer network simulation of how the networks are communicating with each other and where the cyber attacks are coming from, that kind of thing. I don't know how valid it is, but to me it looks like it's valid and, and you know, it was recommended and, and you know, not being a, a IT person, I don't really know for sure how valuable it is, but today I'll tell you, I saw some pretty interesting activities on there that I hadn't seen before. And it says like where the attack's coming from and where the attack was aimed. In other words, it shows it. And there were like, Germany was like pounding the crap out of St. Louis today. Germany, which has not been one of the attack origin places. Most of them have been China. Lately, um, there have been some other countries that I've seen that were just pounding some, you know, some area. And a few days ago, it was Turkey that was pounding the crap out of, I think, St. Louis, but now I can't recall. But if you go on there and you take a look at that, you'll be able to see whether or not there's a lot of activity right then or not. Today, it was around the time that everybody was talking about the Dow Jones uh, dropping, and it dropped all day, apparently, up and down a little bit, but it dropped overall almost 400 points today. It was quite a bit of um, activity and drama down there for the Dow Jones. Um, okay, what else was I saying? Let's see. Worship without sacrifice, yes. Worshiping without sacrifice. People who pay lip service to whatever they find moral, but they don't do anything about making sure they are moral and living a moral life and, you know, taking care of business. <laughs> you know, the whole thing, the Ten Commandments or whatever their religious beliefs are. Um, it's not okay just to quote, <laughs> you know, prove it. Get out there and do something. Today I saw a little kid on the local news, this little boy, he's been doing this, apparently this project every year for his birthday. It was a little human interest story. Um, he he and a bunch of, uh, like, friends, entourage, some adults and stuff, um, do a bike ride. And I think he said it was 20 miles last year, and they try to add a little more each year. And they take donations, and when he's done, he takes whatever he's got for money, and he gives it to the Humane Society to take care of the animals over there, food and bedding and things like that. It was a cool little thing, and I thought, how awesome. Here's a kid. He sees a need. He goes out and does something about it, all on his own, really. He has some helpers, but he's the leader, and he's the one that thought it up. A lot different than somebody who sits down, puts on a pink ribbon or a purple ribbon, or writes a check somewhere. Oh, I'm good. I always give to the American Cancer Society. Every year I give them $500. Yeah, and it probably didn't even give you a light pinch to do it either as you wrote it all out. Anyways, that's just that's just one of my peeves about people who are, let's see, my nephew calls it blacktivism, which is that you're lazy but you're you think you're being active about stuff. Politics without principle. I don't think I need to tell anyone in here what that means. <laughs> just like end justifies the means. Whatever you want to do is good. Just as long as you get that end result, you get, I don't know, Bernie Sanders or you get Donald Trump in office. Oh, God, please. And rights without responsibilities. Um, that I would put that back into the community thing that was mentioned in the Libertarian 
um, posting, which is that you have a community that you live in, and you have certain rights from being within that community, and you have responsibility as well, which is to protect it and to make sure that everyone's fine within your community, whatever it is. And some of us belong to several communities, <laughs> so we always are trying to look out for each other and make sure everyone's all right. Those are the ways that um, a large group can be taken care of by using a smaller model within it. And um, it doesn't have to have bosses, and it doesn't have to have all the rules written down so that you can refer to number eight or number two or whatever it is. But the people develop their own culture on how they're going to go about solving problems and getting done what they need to get done. And that top-down model that they're trying to do for the entire world, such as you know everybody has the same rules about outdoor burning, for example. Everybody has the same rules as the signage. Um, I think it's the reason why it's failing is because people don't want that. They don't. It's too large. You can't see it. It's, you can't see it all at once, so it makes it difficult. Um, today, one of the things that I saw on, uh, I love Facebook because when I go on there and see what other people who I know and love find important, I find things that I find important, and it's a really good way to communicate, I think. Um, it was, probably I don't have it now. Maybe you guys saw it because I don't seem to have it on my list here. Um, it was with these guys who had, I'll go see if I can find it. I can probably find it again if I look. Um, these men who had taken over um, holding somebody until the police came, and it was in Tennessee. I don't know if you saw it or not. It went uh, around fairly fast this morning. It was like, by the time I saw it, it was like almost a half a million views on the one that I saw. But it was... Uh, a woman who was being robbed at a gas station, and these three guys saw it and decided to intervene and hold the person there until the police came. And it was a black man they were holding, um, kind of beside the point. But but uh, he was not too happy about being kept in the car. But it was just that people used to do this kind of stuff. They used to take care of their own problems and call the police if they couldn't handle it themselves. And uh, nowadays it's like they more or less will stand around and watch while something's happening rather than do anything to help prevent it or make it better. And um, I'm going to see if I can get this so you can see it if you didn't already see it. just did a copy-paste, so hopefully it doesn't come on and start blasting me out. I'm going to mute my computer speakers and see if that works. Okay. Um, the victim begs the robbery suspect not to do that again because she was standing there talking to him through the window. She she was saying, you know, you could have asked me if you needed something. You could have asked me. Um, but let me see if I can find, put that in the chat for you guys. Oh, Dottie's already done it. Good job, Dottie. Yay. It's good to have a backup plan, right? Um, so... Good. So you got that. Um, and, you know, how hard is it? Yes, it do, I mean, yes, it could be dangerous. It's possible that if you had three big guys there and you had this one guy who was really, you know, wild and had his weapons and stuff, that it could have turned out that somebody might have got shot. But that's 
the nature of this type of thing anyway. It's the same with the police. When they come, they have to face that. Well, do you think these little punk-ass kids would be doing this, excuse my language, would be doing this crap if they knew that the possibility existed that somebody's going to grab them and stop them? That is one of the reasons why I will never say that somebody should call the police first because, as they say, you know, <laughs> you need them right, right now and they're only minutes away or something. It's like something that should be done immediately. And this kid obviously thought he was going to get away with it, and his luck ran out today because there were three big guys, and I wouldn't be surprised if some of them were ex-military because they knew how to restrain him within the car. And... uh they acted quickly, and it, they ended it. And this guy is going to be, you know, probably cooling his heels for a little while. All right. Um, I'm looking at my notes that I wrote on paper today because I was trying to keep my my uh, wandering mind together a little bit. At some days, I brainstorm more than others. Today was a really good brainstorming day. Okay. We Let's see. Um, we've been talking about narcissistic personality disorder before and about psychopaths and how they rise to the top because they're ruthless. And uh, one of the things that some of the people that I know that are dealing with this in their life right now are starting to find out is, you know, we, people who have a good heart, how we've kind of been sitting ducks for people to take advantage of us. And and sometimes we end up at the bottom of the totem pole because we didn't realize that there were other things in operation than what we always believed, which is that if you work hard, you get ahead, that you know, if something goes wrong and you have adversity, that people will come to your aid because they're good people. Well, sometimes they don't come to your aid, even if they are good people, because they don't dare to, because there's a lot of undercurrent going on. There's a lot of corruption going on. So... One of the things that people always talk about is how are you going to recognize it? Where would the red flag be so you could see it coming before it started causing you problems? And um, the lack of remorse is one thing, but they already have acted before that happens because they've already done something. For you to notice that they're not remorseful and they have no conscience, you wouldn't know that from when you first meet them. But one of the things you would notice is kindness. And um, if a person is kind then they aren't just thinking of themselves. Because kindness, unless it's a manipulation, and usually you can spot those kinds of kindnesses, like, you know, they're, they don't ring true. They're a little hollow. But a real a person who is genuinely kind, expecting nothing in return, is not likely to be one of those people. So anyway, that's just another one that came to our attention this week. Some of the friends that I have that are going through this kind of stuff um, and I, I was thinking about that this afternoon, and I was wondering if that's where all this stuff about people putting guilt on kids or teachers putting guilt on kids, parents, uh, what they refer to here as Catholic guilt. You know, I'm guilty. I don't know what I did, but I'm guilty. Um, that guilt might have been taught to children as a way to confirm that they had a conscience, in other words, to build the conscience. So when people come back later on and they say, you always made me feel guilty, I, I always felt guilty, and that was wrong, it was abusive, et cetera, maybe it also taught someone that they should be thinking about other people and not just themselves at a younger age. 
I'm not convinced it's all from child rearing, though. I really think there's some people that are born narcissistic and that it's passed down in families. And it's not every member of the family, but some can wreak havoc with the entire family. And I'm sorry if anybody in the room right now is a victim of any of that. Um, I seem to find that a lot of people that I know um, fairly well in the last few years have had these things happen. And it's like one day they're, everything's going good. Next day their significant other has bailed out, just gone. Like, like nothing wrong, just they vanish and just they're just done, you know. So where does that come from? It's not the way we were raised to treat other people. So I feel bad when that kind of stuff happens to people. Um, I've been watching, like, uh, people's photography that they put online, and some of it's very beautiful. But I find it a little alarming when they think it's pretty to see rainbows in the sky on a beautiful sunny day, and they think that it's some kind of sign and how beautiful it is when I know that it's aerosol spray that's refracting the light. I mean, people really don't don't want to accept the fact that the skies are sprayed with junk or whatever they're doing, chemicals, and they are. They're sprayed. And you look at it and, they, you know, they run some type of electric, electric current through it using harp or something like that, running signals through it, which breaks up the clouds, makes it look like, uh, you know, fish, fish bones or something. That stuff's not natural. So if you're not older, like baby boomer and older, you probably don't realize it because you've seen it so long or since you were a child. That is not natural. Clouds don't do that. They don't make a nice pattern of rippling like that. So they'll put up these beautiful photos they took with the color of the sunset or something on, and they'll say, look at this beautiful sky. And I'm thinking, it's filthy. It's full of junk. It's full of spray and electronic something or other you know, radio or whatever, to make the weather change or to dry something up or to, you know, cloud over an area, whatever they want to do. It's weather modification, and it's very easy to find it. Just Google search that instead of chemtrails, and you'll see all the science about it, everything about it. There's patents on it and everything. And it is something that was planned a long time ago. The Air Force, I believe, was the impetus for that. And it was called uh, Controlling the Weather by 2025. I think they're a little bit earlier because I think they've pretty much figured out how to control the weather, how to intensify storms, and they're scaring the crap out of people in certain areas when they decide it's a good time to do it. I think Katrina was probably one of them. I think they feared it. Not necessarily that there wasn't a hurricane, but that they intensified it and steered it by using some of the scientific methods that they can use. And I'm not crazy, so don't even try to go there, because I've studied on this stuff a long time. <clears throat> and no, it's not a conspiracy theory. So look in the science stuff, the normal science stuff, the things that are you know annotated and everything else, if that's what you want to do. But don't question me, because I have done that. OK. Um, I have not, I still have not heard from my bank the certified letter that I sent in July. It's been six weeks, I believe, and I have not heard back from them. So I don't know if they just are afraid. They don't know what to do because there were several issues that I raised in that short letter. But I'm going to say no news is good news right now and uh, can't add any more problems to the plate, so I'm not going to worry about it right now. Worst comes to worst, we pack up and move. So um, 
I'm hoping that at some point I will be moving anyways, regardless, but there's a lot of stuff hanging right now. And uh, I don't know if some of it's done intentionally or not, but I'm not going to think about it too much because who cares anyway at this point. You know, people still think that no one's paying attention to anything anyone's saying or doing, and that's so far from the truth. Talking um, to some people today about supposedly the story about this database that has cheaters on it that have all kinds of politicians and, you know, influential people, especially the Washington, D.C. area was uh, of particular interest. And they were like, well, I don't know why anybody would care. It's like privacy, you know, who cares what everyone's business is. And I'm like, you guys, you don't pay attention. Everything is collected. Everything, including Hillary's emails, everything is collected that goes over the Internet. So you don't have any privacy online. So type in your little password and if it makes you feel good, but that doesn't even really matter. Somebody that wants to can get in there and get it. So the electronic communications are not secure. And obviously the top secret ones weren't terribly secure either if she got them. And I'm going to uh, get something in play for you in a minute regarding that because I think it's really important that other people hear it that may have missed it. Um, consent of the governed. Is it consent if people aren't informed? I say no, it is not. So if there's any kind of fraud involved, if people have been lied to in order to get acquiescence or people to become complicit or whatever, and then they, these uh, people in the background who run everything are going, see, they consented to it because they didn't object. They didn't object because they didn't know. So um, the people that control this uh, world, who we would not know their names, they would never have their names out, the ones we see are the puppets of those people. But they think they are so superior to everybody alive on the planet that, and maybe they are because we can't see them. We don't know who they are. But maybe they are. But they think they are anyway. They think they're God himself. And they want control of every last tiny detail of our lives. They want to know everything about us, and they want to control everything about us. And I don't know why they're wired that way. I have no idea why. I have no desire to know every detail of every human being's life on this planet. I would like to think that people are having a good life and being successful wherever they are. Cause that's just my nature. I I want people to be successful and happy. It's one of the reasons why I wanted to go in the Peace Corps. Because at the time when I was a teenager, I was seeing the starvation going on in Africa and not understanding why nobody was doing anything about it. And I still don't understand it. I kind of get why they're starving them. These people are starving them because they're getting a benefit. They're getting the natural resources. They're driving people out of areas that they want. And they're getting a kick out of the fact that they have power to starve people to death. That's why they're doing it. But when I was a teenager, I didn't know that. I figured people didn't know. If they knew, they would do something because that's how I was. So anyway. It's not the way it is. They'd be just perfectly happy to let people starve to death because I guess in their view, if you're stupid enough to live in Africa, then you deserve whatever happens to you. 
um, I had uh, written down a little note here, debating and arguing, Miss Hitchings. I had a teacher in high school. Her name was Miss Hitchings. People used to make fun of her. She was she would get angry sometimes with the boys, and her hair would. She had white hair, and her scalp would get red, so her hair would turn pink. And we used to laugh about how her hair would turn pink. She'd get so mad. Her eyes would just be flashing. And um, she taught, like, uh, back then we were tracked in school. So we had, like, you know, we had college-bound seniors, and we had um, people who were in secretarial courses or business courses or agriculture courses. And so our class wasn't terribly big. It was probably about 15 to 20 people. And we were involved in all kinds of, like, current events things. We were studying on the diplomatic history of the U.S. It was a big, thick book we had to read in. It was horribly dry, but it was very detailed. And she would just, she would lecture on all these different, you know, time periods and what was going on. And I would probably love hearing those lectures now, but when you're a high school senior, you're just thinking, oh, I just got to get through it. I got to get till I can pass the test, I've got to get an A on it, you know, that kind of thing. And one day we got into an argument about um, welfare and about people working for a living or whether they should get assistance and that kind of thing. And I, I've explained here before to people that one side of my family, one set of grandparents, had no real adversity during the Depression. They were doing fine. They were business people. If anything, they were spoiled. They had, like, first cars in the town, you know, that kind of thing. And other people had no, nothing. No, they had to wear, you know, raggy clothes. They had to get assistance from the town for the family because they were, you know, they didn't have enough money and um, had a huge family. That was my mother's side. So I came from really parents that lived both realities during the Depression, one that didn't have to worry so much and one that worried a lot. And so this discussion was personal to me, thinking of my family, and I was willing to stand up, and I said something. I can't even remember what it was, but I think it was on the opposite side of whatever that teacher said. And I still think of her because you know, she was pretty old then, so I don't know how old she'd be if she were still alive, probably 120 or something. But she was a wonderful teacher. She was such a good teacher. And that class took place right before lunch, so everybody was getting ready to go, and I was standing my ground because, by God, I wasn't going to let that pass, whatever the comment was. And she lit into me, and her hair turned pink, and I just sat there because, I was also raised to be a good girl and a good student, um, and I wasn't going to yell back at a teacher, and I wasn't going to fight back as an adult because I wasn't one. I gave her respect, but I started bawling. I just cried and cried. I was sitting there just sobbing, and everybody left to go to lunch, and I was still sobbing because I couldn't leave. I was just like a mess. And... She said, you know, I can't remember if it was then or if she came back later in the day, but I think it was then because I never forgot it. She said, I'm sorry, I shouldn't have done that to you. And I was just floored. She said, what you did was exactly what you're supposed to do. You have to stand up for what you believe in and you have to support your arguments and don't ever let somebody, you know, badger you 
or bully you and put you down. Because what you were saying was your true belief based on what you knew. She said, I won't do that again. I've learned from that. And I've always remembered it, that she always said, when you're debating or arguing with someone and you know you're right, don't you dare back down just because somebody else decides to you know, put the pressure on or humiliate you in public, which is what happened. She humiliated me in front of my whole class. But that's a good teacher to me. She absolutely inspired me. I thought she was wonderful, and I always, I always did. She, she also in, encouraged us to like pay attention to politics, to write essays, write letters to the editor, um, keep track of what was going on, so we could talk about anything that was going on in current events at the time. And there were a lot of current events back in the late '60s. I can assure you of that. So, shout out to Miss Hitchings, wherever she is. I still see her. can see her face right now, her glasses, her white hair up in like one of those kind of messy buns, not even really a bun, but kind of pinned up and turning pink. My whole class would laugh if they heard me saying that, but pretty wonderful person. All right, let's see. Um, I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to get that piece that I was going to play for you guys so everybody can go get a tea, a water, whatever, and listen to it um, while I regroup because I think this is really important. And if you missed it, I don't believe you'll go find it and listen to it. So, And I want to know what you guys think about the validity of it and whether or not you think it's, um, um, let's see, how would I put it, whether it was a staged type thing or whether it was a spontaneous thing that the person actually is credible to you or the people, I mean, are credible to you, uh, using your own, your own um, and your own um, background and experience from what you know. Because that's what I always say. You have to use what your own experience is. Because other people uh, can tell you something, but it's not going to be the same thing as you using your own brain. I'm going to go see if I can find that and put that on. And I'll tell you, I just heard it like a couple of days ago. I, I don't even know where I found it. Like like I say, some of the things that um, I listen to on on the Internet are because I saw someone post a link somewhere in a comment, or maybe I was looking down through the different threads on Godlike Productions. God, I always laugh when I say it. It is a conspiracy site, yes but it's also a breaking news site. And if something was going on anywhere in the world where these people are, they will post it. And a lot of times they'll even put pictures. So it's a breaking news site. You can go there and look at things, and then if something strikes you that you want to learn more, you can you know, go to the video or whatever. And, yeah, there's a lot of foolishness there too. It's just it's the way it is because people can post whatever they want. But what this was, was this was a Michael Savage interview, and I haven't watched Michael Savage much lately, but or, or listened to him much lately, but I have in the past. And um, what happened was somebody had posted on, on one of the other sites about this interview and that the, he had some callers call in about Hillary's emails and whether or not she could have um, 
like accidentally gotten top secret stuff or whatever out of the Pentagon or whatever. So I'm just going to start it and I'm going to play it until the callers are pretty much done, I guess. It may be a few minutes. I'm not sure. So take a break, drink some soda or tea or whatever, and please try to listen and see if you think this is credible. Michael, let's see, Michael Savage, August 19th, so it was yesterday. Um, and this link that I'm at is the full show, which was an hour and 45 minutes. I'm not going to play that, obviously. But um, I'm starting at the point where the person, whoever posted it, said to start where the calls started in. So that's what I'm going to do. And I'll be in and out of the chat seeing if you guys can hear all right. Okay? Let me know if you can't hear it, and I'll boost it up. Man, I got to start it. Right? As am I, Michael Savage, rationalist who loves America. This is the Savage Nation. I'll be right back. Join the Savage Nation. Call now, 855-400-SAVAGE, 855-400-7282. Savage. My Savage Nation is sponsored by SwissAmerica.com. It's the only company I trust to protect my wealth. Call 800-B-U-I-C-O-I-N. Do you want a government zero or a government of the people, by the people, and for the people? And what kind of government officials do you want? Do you want one that functions around the law, gets around the law? Let me tell you something. What Hillary did, I don't think they're going to catch her. We all hope that eventually a powerful person gets caught. Because if you did this and you were a low-ranking State Department employee, you'd be in prison. There's no question about it. But don't hold your uh, breath. Remember Sandy Berger? He smuggled state secrets out of the National Library in his underwear. Sandy Berger, the lawyer from Washington, D.C., the man who does deals with China to this day as a lobbyist for one of America's principal law firms, Sandy Berger smuggled secrets in his underwear. He didn't serve five minutes in jail. If you took a library book and got caught, you'd go to jail for three years. Okay. Okay, put the caller up, whatever the line was. Did you say it's line three? Gary from MAL in Washington. Gary, go ahead, please. Yeah, hey, Doc. You know, we keep hearing about what was found on Hillary's server, satellite imagery, top-secret label stuff, and whatever. What a lot of people don't understand is that you just cannot sit at a top-secret enclave uh, terminal and type out an email to Hillary at, you know, pantsuit.com or whatever. You had, That room is generally what is known as a, it's a skip. It's a secure compartmentalized information facility. It tends to be a room within a room that is uh, partially, most times, a Faraday cage, which prevents any spurious emanations for RF emanations from leaving that area. So bottom line is, is that somebody had to either type that stuff up and redact the fact that it was a uh, secret, uh, S-I-T-K, no foreign, whatever, and, uh, or they had to put it on some sort of a removable media, which is not allowed in a skiff. They had to remove it from this secure room fingerprints, you know, the whole nine yards just to get in the room so that these pe people could get the information to Hillary. There was so many other laws broken other than the fact that she had... Wow. Wow. Gary, I never heard this before. Were where, where you a man who works in the, in the military? Uh, I have, and I still do, yes. What you just said on this national radio show, has this been expressed on other shows, or has it been printed in newspapers? I haven't heard it. I've been looking for it. I've been trying to get through to other shows and all that. I'm surprised actually I got through to you because I always get a busy signal. Gary, i got to ask you to stay on the line because what you just said 
has made news on this show. It should make news around the world. Guys, get Gary's number. We're going to open our number, well, the 4 o'clock hour on the East Coast with it. Gary, give us a, in a nutshell what you just said about the server. And uh, you're saying, let me see if I understand. What Hillary received from the Defense Department had to go through a secure room. Is that basically what you said? Yeah, you cannot email for top-secret information from a top-secret enclave terminal or whatever because that is in a room that's generally known as a skiff. Okay, you can Google the term skiff and all that. It's not like that's classified or anything like that. But the skiff... All right, wait. So it goes from the Defense Department to a top-secret room, and somebody had to remove it from that room to send it to her? Any, any TS enclave, depending on how it got there, be it through a DOD... Unbelievable. This is like a John le Carré spy novel. There's more to this than meets the eye. I think we broke new ground on the Savage Nation because I'm not Bill O'Reilly. Join the Savage Nation. Call now, 855-400-SAVAGE-SAVAGE. Savage Nation contains adult language, adult content, psychological nudity. Listener discretion is advised. And now, America's most exciting radio talk show, The Savage Nation, home of unprotected talk, borders, language, culture, and here he is, Michael Savage. It's like a spy story. With Hillary Clinton as the villain, slinking around National Security Headquarters. Will they catch the villain in the pantsuits before it's too late? Only James Bond can tell us on the Savage Nation. Now, it could be high theater and funny if it was not funny and if it was theater, but i got to tell you something. Radio is primarily an entertainment medium, even talk radio, which can be very educational, is part of an entertainment empire. That's what radio originally was. But every once in a while, we break new ground, we make the news. It just happened on the Savage Nation. We had a caller from Washington, D.C., who will remain anonymous. I'm sure he is anonymous, who worked and still does work in military intelligence. And by the way, we have another caller, a young lady named Rebecca from Washington, who worked in intelligence. And you're going to learn that a lot more laws were broken by Hillary Clinton that are being talked about. At the end of the last hour, the caller Gary from MAL told us about Skiff. I never heard of Skiff. Did you hear of Skiff? You didn't hear about it in any other show? What is Skiff? Sensitive Compartmented Information Facility, pronounced Skiff. In the United States military, security and intelligence parlance, it's an enclosed area within a building that is used to process sensitive compartmented information and keep it secretive. So, Gary called and said, for Hillary Clinton to have received these satellite images from the Defense Department, it had to first go through this room, this secret room. And it means what, Gary? Line three, Gary, pick it up from here. So the Defense Department sends this information to the secret facility, what happened next? Well, again, regardless of how the information gets there, okay, it's classified, it's TS. 
So it's in this room, which and and you you that it, it could have come from another skiff, from another location. However, it gets there. Okay. Bottom line is they're just very secure enclosed networks. Period. Okay. So you know, but you can't, you cannot just there's inside of it. You can't sit to next to uh, a TS terminal in one of these places and actually sit down and then go and do Google. Okay, because that does not exist in there. Okay. It's According to my, my knowledge, access to skips is normally limited to those with top secret clearance and this. None cleared personnel and skiff units must be under constant oversight to prevent unauthorized access to classified material. What happened next, Gary? How did this person get it to Hillary? Well again, there's 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 no way that they can just email it from the secure terminal to again Hillary at you know pantsuit.com or wherever she's at. It can't just go from that enclave to an unclassified or commercial network because they do not exist in the same reality at all. So it had to be either copied somehow, written, typed, or whatever, and then removed physically from this skiff to be put onto a non-commercial mean or excuse me, a non uh, secure means like a... So, uh, so Gary, in, 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 in amateur terms, we're listening in for the first time. Somebody had to copy it and send it to her from that room? Not from that room. It had to be removed from that room. It has to be removed from the TS Enclave because there is no commercial access points in these rooms, period. Well, you mean so somebody wrote it down and took it out of the room? Or they put it on a thumb drive or a CD, but those sorts of media are generally taboo and inside of somebody, somebody did a thumb drive or a JPEG in a top secret room and took it to Hillary Clinton? It's, it's possible. That's the only other way. That's the only well, way. Gary, you have stopped my breath for a moment, and I thank you for calling the Savage Nation. This could be the most important breaking point in this whole story, but wait, it gets even better. Rebecca, on line six right now from WMAL again in the nation's capital. Rebecca, please come on to the Savage Nation and tell the people what you know. Thank you, sir. It is definitely an honor to be on your show. Uh, it sparked me to call Thank on you. hearing Gary. I was actually driving home uh, from my way from the Pentagon, and I've been working in the intelligence community both as active duty military as well as a DOD contractor for 23 years now. And backing him wow. 100%. Everything that he has said is 100% accurate. I work even in an open classified, which is only secret, at, uh, from my main office. You have to check your cell phones. You can't even bring your cell phones in. You can't bring anything that's recordable in there. Now, yes. Rebecca, so it, wait, let, let's, let's back up. Hillary Clinton transmitted secretive, very top secret satellite data to somebody. We don't know to who. She said in a joke, what did I use a cloth to wipe it? How did she get that imagery? Who, who did someone remove it from the room for her? Well, and, and that's what I can't understand because like Gary was saying, you have unclassified your, your normal computers that everyone uses. You can Google, you can email. Then you have a secret level, which is the next enclave up. That in and of itself is not at all connected whatsoever to the unclassified network. It's a completely separate entity. I cannot email from Google to my secret account or from my secret to my, my Gmail account. I can't do that. Now let's take it, take it up one more step. Now we're getting to the TS and actually FBI level 
which is the skips, which is your top secret level. Now, at that point, that's even, you know, that's higher, more secure. Um, you have to have additional clearances to get in there. I've been, you know, I've had those clearances, and you can't even go between top secret and secret. It's not possible. And if they're talking geospatial information, which is what I have heard on the news, we're talking satellite imagery, that is TSSCI. I can tell you that right off the bat. I know that for a fact. And that is what? Rebecca, that is what? It, that is top secret, typically SCI level, which is an additional code on top of the top secret. And I, and the, the so how would somebody have taken that, that satellite imagery out of that secret room, the James Bond room, and gotten it to Hillary? What did they have to do to bring it out of there? See, that's what I can't comprehend because I, I was a cryptologist for crying out loud. I, I, you know, worked this, and those the. You are a, wait. You are a cryptologist in the Defense Department, Rebecca. I was a cryptologist in when I was active duty military for eight years, and then I flipped over. Now I'm basically DoD IT. I mean, I work God. computer systems. So the thing is, is that. The USB ports that you typically would, you know, put your thumb drive in, as well as your, your writable DVD drives, those are typically completely disabled on those systems. So, you know, forget about not even being able to bring it in there. They're typically disabled. There is usually one person who has the authority, um, and there's always TPI, two-person integrity, when you're dealing with SCIF. Even the safes have two different combos held by two different individuals so that no one person can access these things individually. I'm, I'm Let me ask you something. This top secret facility has a skiff in it. It's a secure room. Is it underground? Where are these things? Typically, they're not always underground. Sometimes they are, but sometimes uh, they can be internal, though. You'll never see one with windows because, like Gary was saying, they're, they're specially protected so that the electronic emissions cannot so oh, so so spies. So in other words, foreign governments can't pick up the signal. Absolutely. So you'll they'll typically be either underground in a basement, or they'll be internal in a building where you can have this this heavy duty structural integrity to the building to these rooms. This is unbelievable to me. Let me ask you, Rebecca. You work in intelligence. You're a former cryptologist. You see the Hillary story. What do you feel in your heart of hearts went on here? Who was she sending this to, and for what reason? Unfortunately, there is there is not one positive reason that I can find. There is not one. Everything's got to be. I, I I'm <laughs> I can't come up with any any you know any good logical rational explanation for it. Because I'll tell you right now, if I had even a basic um, security incident where I left a piece of crypto out or. I somehow had classified information in an unclassified space, not only would I automatically lose my job and my security clearances, but I would more than likely be brought up on charges as well. Right. Now, in, in your business of this world that you live in, this top secret world, you live a very tense life because you are trust, trusted with the greatest secrets the government has. Irrespective, Republican or Democrat, we are still a sovereign nation and we have a lot of enemies who would like to see us go under. What the heck was she transferring and to whom? What in the world was she sending? What was this about? Okay, we understand it was satellite imagery about Benghazi. Isn't that what we've all heard in the news so far? That's what I believe. I believe there's something really deep okay. and dark under there. Oh, my God. 
please let's not let our minds get carried away. Do we know when this happened? Did it happen before the ambassador was killed by the mobs or after? We don't know, but it could have been going on the whole time. We just don't know. And with her having, you know, professionally wiped these servers numerous times, if they magnetize those drives, we'll never know from that piece that she turned over. If, if they did a, a professional, you know, situation where they magnetized with the same level that the DOD does it, um, that's going to be hard for any forensics to recover. The only thing that I'm hoping is, is well, it's, it's a catch-22. You, you hope nobody had backups or copies because there was classified information, if that's true. But on the same note, if there was, then that would be the one positive route we'd have to be able to track it down and actually find out exactly what happened. I'm not going to ask you whether you're a Republican or a Democrat because it doesn't matter to me. You're, you're an individual who loves America, and that's why you work in the top secret field that you work in what is the feeling without giving away any information amongst your co-workers about what this means for america and national security in general is there buzz going on in the intelligence community about what hillary did oh absolutely absolutely we're all what are they what are they we're all what appalled it's a it's such a double standard because we know we're heavily scrutinized and rightfully so um, you know, with, with the background checks and constantly having to have to report anything in our in our lives that could potentially um, be an issue for us. And we're do you think that the FBI? Um, do you think the FBI, Obama's FBI, Loretta Lynch's FBI, is actually going to get to the bottom of this? Unfortunately, I don't have I don't have the faith that I wish I did that that will happen. Right, it's not an independent FBI. Loretta Lynch was handpicked. By the way, by Al Sharpton, if you can believe it, Al Sharpton, a man of this low caliber, lobbied to have Loretta Lynch, a U.S. attorney from New York City or New York area, made the attorney general, and Obama made her attorney general. Do we actually believe that a woman appointed by Barack Obama is going to blow the whistle on a Democrat? I don't, I don't feel that's even within the realm of possibility. Actually, the, there is one potential, I think, that, that it would happen, and that's if there's something going on in the administration or in the big scheme of things that, for whatever reason, they decided they don't want Hillary Clinton to be the nominee and that would be the easiest way to take her out. That's one. So there, so, uh, so there, could, be, there could be collusion coming from the Obama camp to make certain Hillary is not nominated as president, and we won't know why, but there could be collusion, and that's why we're even hearing about this, right? Right, and that's pure speculation for me. Unfortunately, I've become a little bit more cynical over this. Well, thank you. Oh, cynical is good. When you live in a cynical time with a cynical president and a cynical government, I think cynicism is a healthy, a healthy attitude. I thank you for listening to the Savage Nation on WMAL in Washington, D.C. Unfortunately, at this moment, we have to take a commercial break, at which point I will return to talk about two things, and really two things only. One is the spying scandal. I don't know what else to call it. The spying scandal that has enmeshed Hillary Clinton and the story of ancient Rome when the barbarians broke the empire into east and west, which is a little bit of history that might educate us about what we're living through right now in the good old U.S. of A. I'll be right back. This is Michael Savage. 
Join the Savage Nation. Call now, 855-400-SAVAGE, 855-400-7282. Savage. The Savage Nation is sponsored by Swiss America, the only company I trust with my financial future. Call 800-289-2646 or SwissAmerica.com. What you are about to hear on the Savage Nation and what you have been hearing on the Savage Nation, I believe, is new information. We are going to put it up on michaelsavage.com tonight in listenable form as an MP3. We have anonymous security experts from the Defense Department, the CIA, and other places listening into this show and calling in with stories about what Hillary may have done that I've never read anywhere. I didn't see it anywhere. I didn't hear about it. I don't have a staff of 300. Instead, I have an audience of millions, which is the best staff in the world, millions of Americans. We have another one right now, Dave on WMAL again from Washington, D.C. Go ahead. What is it you want to tell the American people? Good afternoon. Um, I just want to corroborate what, uh, what Rebecca and the other individual was saying. I've been in the intelligence community now for about 15 years, both in the U.S. military as well as several um, uh, three-letter agencies uh, within uh, Washington, D.C., to include uh, many of our NATO allies. And the only thing that I can think of, as what they were saying, there's no way to move information from an unclassified terminal to a classified terminal. You can go up, but you can't go down. So if this is classified information, the only way that I can think that she got it onto an unclassified system is printing it out and then scanning it on an unclassified scanner and then emailing it. Uh, now, that would be... Oh, wait, you, 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 wait you, do you mean that you mean Hillary or her staff members did that? Perhaps one of her staff members uh, printed it out and removed the classification markings. But what's really funny is that all of us, you know, us government employees within the intelligence community, if we did anything like that, that's, that would be right. a security violation. We would go to jail. We also, some of us, get polygraphed. And um, we're at I, wa I want to ask you about, let, let's say, God, you did this. You did this not for bad reasons, but you did it by accident. Of course you lose your job. What is the crime that you're charged with? Mishandling of classified information. Just mishandling of classified information is enough to land you in the slammer. Correct. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So even if she didn't mean to do anyone harm with it, she just wanted to transfer it, she already violated the law. She mishandled classified information. But you and I both know that the law is unequal. It does not apply to all. In fact, as we all know, power corrupts. And absolute power corrupts absolutely. This is the Savage Nation. Be here or be a dummy. Join the Savage Nation. Call now. 855-400-SAVAGE. 855-400-7282. Savage. All of us have a spark inside. To be makers. Creators to inspire beauty and harmony in our homes. We've been fixing and making since we were kids, wearing tutus and high tops. Because DIY is in our... Savage. From the Pink Panther to the Pink Pantsuit in one generation, will the Pink Pantsuit be caught at last? It's the Savage Nation. We've got to lighten it up a little bit because this is really reaching a point of fright. When you see an individual who would be president, 
who was even accused of this and has no defense other than I wiped it with a cloth as a joke and she walks out of the questions. Do you really want to live in a country like this? Yeah, maybe you do. Maybe you already do. I don't know. But we've had people calling this show who worked for FBI, CIA, DIA. I can't even name the agencies because I don't know all the acronyms. But you know what I heard in the voices of these individuals? People who have given their lives to protect America's secrets. They love America. It's easy for us in conservative radio to bash government and say, oh, everyone who works for the government is this, everyone who works for government is that, they're all lazy, they all want a pension. Let's not overgeneralize. Most of them work because they love America, and they do it because they want to keep this country safe and great. And I don't know whether they're Democrat or Republican, I could care less. All I know is that we have someone who wants to be president who is less than presidential in what she did. There's no question in my mind that whether or not she's eventually found out and punished for it is irrelevant. What is relevant is that she's not qualified to be president based even on the suspicion that she did something wrong. Either we live in a law, a land of laws, or we live in a lawless land. It's that simple. Let me repeat that in case you missed it. Either we live in a land of laws that apply to all of us equally, or we live in a lawless land. You make the choice. I've already made that choice. I've been talking about it a long time. And we'll continue to talk about it on the Savage Nation. I want to go to my website for one minute before we get a few more intelligence personnel, all calling, by the way, out of Washington, D.C. This is the this is the power of a national radio show. When it's heard on so many stations in drive time and the pulse of the nation is being pounded like this, we're getting people who are saying, i got to call in, I, I've got to do my duty. But let's not miss the other stories. On my website, I'm not pushing the website. There are stories that are worth mentioning. Here's one on the top right. Black Lives Matter organizer and a winner of an Oprah Winfrey scholarship, a, a man who was allegedly a hate crime victim, has been revealed to be white. Can you believe this one? Yeah, I'll read the story. I, I know it's a right-wing conspiracy, but no, he was white. Here's another one. Trump border wall proposal sparks controversy, but barriers are popular worldwide. That didn't make it to the old York Times. Oh, one other story you may have missed. George Soros, the money trader, the fanatic who's made billions betting against currencies, the man who has put billions into green energy, the man who bashes coal, he just invested ooh, a lot of money in coal. After driving the price of coal almost to zero, he moved in and bought a billion dollars worth of coal stock. That's right. Soros warms up to coal as stock prices hit bottom. Did you hear that story? Well, you ought to look into it if you want to know what the word hypocrisy means. Billionaire George Soros warms up to coal as stock prices hit bottom. This is the left-wing lying fanatic investor who has demonized fossil fuels for years through his think tanks, through his political contributions, and now that he's driven big coal stocks into the dirt, he bought them up. He bought stock in two large coal companies, firms that his critics say George Soros himself helped bring to their knees. Now, buying low is the hallmark of any shrewd investor. We all know that. <clears throat> but buying coal, doesn't that go against the political and environmental ideology that George Soros has long espoused? I think so. You see, he runs the Climate Policy Initiative think tank. But did you know that George Soros just snapped up one million shares of Peabody Energy? 
and half a million shares of Arch Coal, which now gives him significant controlling stakes in what's left of the United States coal industry? Hold on one minute. You're not going to believe what you're about to hear. Six years ago, Peabody Coal was trading under the symbol BTU. It was... Okay, you guys, I had to stop. I couldn't take it anymore. Um, <clears throat> I thought there were four people that called in. That's why I was waiting for the fourth one. So what do you think? Do you think that that was uh, three credible people that knew what they were talking about? Did that ring true to you from what you know from your own life or if you've ever worked in a job where you had to have security like that? <clears throat> I'd be interested to know. I feel like the second one, I feel like the woman was extremely knowledgeable, very smart, but I want to hear what you guys have to say. They know about military security, Valiam says. Um, Desert Pete says, yes, credible. You think all three, you guys? Um Still waiting. I don't want to give too much comment before I hear from you guys what you think. Because I want people to think. I want them to think about it. They hear this stuff going on in the car. It's going on somewhere. They're listening to it online while they're doing something else. And it's kind of going in one ear and out the other. That's why I played it. All of them, Desert Pete says. Guest Force says, I don't know about White House security. The lady knew more or gave more details than the other two. That's what Val says. I agree. She was, she was, um, to me, she was highly credible because she was completely out with things as though she were just telling about it, not as though she was rehearsed in any way. <clears throat> Nine got here late, but likes Judas Priest. Jameson says when he thinks so much, I get sunk, whatever. Well, I think that the masses of uh, people who are paying attention to this story, if they're paying any attention at all, they think that Hillary Clinton could just get on her smartphone or her computer and uh, access top-secret military sites. I think they're thinking it's like a bank or something where you put your PIN number in or your password and you can go and get whatever you want. You just need to have your password updated every so often. They don't get the concepts of networks, and I believe that the reason for this is, is that no one's ever explained it to them, really. Um, I'm going to say that when I was working on technology in Maine, getting technology into schools and uh, libraries and town offices eventually, they were actually after libraries. That's how active the librarians were in Maine. But um, you could see it with teachers is that they didn't have the concept of how it actually worked. It was almost like it was magic to them that you plug this plug into the wall and it would work like electricity or something. Like it would flow into the computer with all this information and just give it to the computer. They had no concept of the idea that you would need an IT person to get the computer ready to receive the information, that you'd have to have um, certain things done to the computer so that it had its own specific IP address, things like that. To them, you just plugged it in and used it like you might use any kind of electric appliance. 
So they didn't have the concept at all, and that was very rudimentary stuff. Um, I would have people come in the library and say, why can't you stop this uh, email that's coming in that's full of filthy language or something back when the spam, really early in the days of spam when there were really no filters and you'd get some pretty hideous stuff in your mailbox. They were completely incensed. I don't understand why you're allowing this to come in. It's like, what would you like us to do? They had no concept whatsoever. And I think that this is entering into how easy um, the lies can be told about Hillary and, you know, and be believed because the masses don't understand how networks work. It's my understanding that anything that is of a sensitive nature for national security is in no way connected at any point with anything that you would recognize as the Internet. And I believe that's what that woman was saying. So that is how I would take it based on my experience with networks is that the, there is no communication between these two systems. There's no possible way. And she said the same thing. You could not sit there at the computer station or whatever they have in the secure room, which is the SCIF, she was calling it, in this secure facility, which is similar to a Faraday cage or is a Faraday cage. I don't know. I've never seen one. But the way I understand it is the only thing you can access from that location is that network, nothing else. So when they were trying to figure out how this information could have possibly left Here's the other idea, okay? I'm going to see if anybody in the chat has that thought of this, because we have some people here who study a lot of the same information and stories and uh, connecting of dots over at Able Danger, so they know some things from other experts that actually do this kind of work. I want to see if they came to a similar guess as to how Hillary got some of this stuff, okay? Um, Number nine, wouldn't trust Wiener Savage. Uh, let's see. Val thinks that the first guy was credible because he was cautious how he worded his information and how he worded it sounded like a real security guy. Um, James can says, do your own research, and then there's no consequence with they have said. Yeah, um, and four is saying no windows. Yeah, no windows. Now, do they mean no windows for the room, or do they mean no windows as in computer program windows? I took it there were no windows. I didn't take it as it was no windows program. So which one is it? Maybe it's both. I don't know. But, um, okay, so here's the, here's the thing that I think could have happened. They didn't need to access the top secret network from that location. Thinking outside the box. Because when people are, when their minds are led in a certain direction so that they see something in a certain way, sometimes they can't see outside the box. But a person that is not connected to whatever the outcome is or the process to get there looks at it and says, well, what if they weren't in the box in the first place? Because that is a network. It's just not connected to the internet as we would recognize it. So what about if they weren't there? What about if they accessed it some other place or some other 
way. Certainly from the standpoint of um, high-level communications, no one that isn't in a position where they need to know it is going to know it. And that's just people that have ever had any relatives that have ever worked in any of those things know this. They don't even know half the time what they're doing or how something's happening. They're just told the procedure for doing it so that they can't, you know, work around something. And also so they won't be accused of it because they wouldn't know this aspect of it or whatever. So um, one of the things connected with State Department and communications and all of that, um, some of the stuff that I've been reading in the last few months, or couple months anyway, have indicated that the State Department is way more important than people realize, that it has more power than people realize, and that it has been doing some of its own stuff since the early 90s. And um, I don't think you have to think too hard back there to know who was in office and who was in charge back then. So. Um, um, let's see. Dottie is asking, um, if we want to listen to a video by Rob B., an advocate for children sexually abused after he attended the Tuesday Council meeting, which was this week. Um, it's about eight minutes. I don't know how you do it, Dottie. Do you have a way to put it on there? Or do you have to put it over the phone somehow? Or how, how would you do it? Or is it a link? And I'll just play it like I did the last one. Um, we we have something going on here in ba in Bangor, right, in Maine, that has been going on for quite a long time, but has been in the forefront of the news um, off and on, not in total, not comprehensively by any means, but a big cover-up going on in the city of Biddeford. And, um, okay, Dottie, is that it? Because I'll open it and play it if you want. Um, and Dottie's been right in the middle of this stuff. She knows some of the people. She's talked about it sometimes on her own show, Maine Exposed. Um, she's talked about um, some of these things in, you know, in the history of that area on this show probably a year ago. And um, it's an ongoing thing, but why I asked if Dottie wanted to come on tonight and talk about it is because when I got up this morning, when you have people who are your Facebook friends and you, you go and look on Facebook, you get this thing called a history feed and, and uh, I guess it's the home or whatever, and you, pick, you click on that and you can see what your friends have been talking about or where they've been commenting, things like that. And I saw an exchange this morning that really upset me because the people are they're becoming so entrenched in their clicks and their little uh, protections for each other that instead of just coming out with it and you know, what usually happens is throw a couple people under the bus and be done with it, they're trying to keep everything under wraps. That's how it looks to me as an outsider. And I think it's starting to get to the point where I'd be nervous about it. And it's just because of the the um the the you know, the way they talk to each other, how they how they, you know, interact, that kind of thing. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to see if I can um, play this link, if I can get it open. 
and maybe you'll be able to figure it out from this. The people that come all the time, they know what's going on down there. This involves the police department over time. Um, and the person that first came out was Matt Lozon, and then a whole lot of people started coming out of the woodwork saying the same things were happening to them. And now we have people who have sent affidavits, and we have people who have... Um, um, like provided information at the Attorney General's office, and things have been going in and out, paperwork. Um, they've had meetings down there. They've had um, a contract going on in the city at the same time trying to get their contracts ratified for their you know, compensation, like the police and stuff. The state police came to like the last meeting. It's a really big deal, but the media is not really covering it very much. So. Um, and I see that... Uh, straight shots leaving so all right um so i'm going to see if i can get this to come on and i'll play it nope says the link may have expired we may have to find another one Let's see if we can find another one oh guest number four won their court case but i don't know what the court case was so awesome I always say good if somebody wins a court case. I figure it's a good thing. But I don't know what the court case is about. So let me see if I can find it. Do you have it on your Unmasker site, Dottie? Let's see if I can get to that. Oh, we had a really horrible thing happen yesterday, too. Somebody got stabbed to death in a grocery store in Saco, which is right outside of Biddeford. They're, like, practically the same place, Saco, Biddeford. And um, it was just some whacked-out person. I mean, uh, maybe maybe there's a link somewhere to that, too, and somebody can see her, her picture, its picture, because it doesn't even look human. Murdered this woman in a grocery store. She just picked her out at random. We don't usually have stuff like that going on in Maine, so it's kind of a shock when it happens. Um, let's see if Dottie found another link yet. Okay, well, I don't know if I can get it. Um, she, oh, how old was she? I think they said she was 59 years old, the one that was killed. And her. what I heard tonight was that her child was like in the next aisle, but I don't know how old her child was but some family member was with her at the store. And we're talking seriously crazy-looking woman. Um, I don't know what's up with this, Dottie. Let me see if I can get it again. If I can maybe take the... It just says the content is currently unavailable. I wonder if the person took it down. Well, that's all right. We'll have to figure out another way to do it, I guess. So, you want to try to find another link? Or should I just give up on that for now? Um, 
I don't know what Shirley's talking about. So, okay. I'm not going to um you don't you don't have that on your website, Dottie? A link to it. Find it, darn it, because I think it would be good. Especially if it's current because there's so much going on there that by the time a week's gone by, everything else has changed. I know how I might be able to get it. I'd be able to get it by going directly there. Let's see. It's under a Facebook group. Never know. I might be able to get it because librarians can find things. Don't forget. Sometimes we can find things by just changing the spelling a little bit. So let me see if I can. I'm going to try a couple of the people's Facebook pages, like Matt's. Matt's is there. He might have it on his. <laughs> I'd sing to you guys, but I can't think of a song right now. Oh, maybe he's blocked his timeline now. Probably blocked his off because of people being obnoxious. Because I was, I was seeing a lot of videos on his previously. So let's try someone else's name. See if they have anything. There are some people that have been responding to some of this stuff that are seriously screwed up individuals that you would be able to tell immediately when you look at them, the way they um, talk to each other and what they find interesting in their life. Um, and let's see. Now I can't remember who the person is, so I can't tell. Maybe I do have to give up because I don't really know what I'm looking for right now. I was thinking it might be obvious. Yesterday, possibly, two days ago. Um... Seventeenth or the eighteenth, maybe too scary that face, all right, I guess I'm gonna have to give up if I can't find it, so it's on a Facebook page under Biddeford victims. Is that the Facebook page? Is that the name of it? If it is, I can find it that way if it's on somebody's Facebook page that is sharing it publicly, then I should be able to find it. That's how I get most of my stuff, actually. I just need to know whose video it is so I can find it. Because I kind of know some of the people that are the... Um, yeah, look at their, their associations. This is what people do. You look at what their likes are and their associations and what they follow, and that's how I go from one thing to another. 
there's uh, this person I'm looking at right now has I Love Biddeford as a Facebook page group and visions of Biddeford Saco and Freedom and Common Sense Party and Sanford Main Marketplace and some photos that look like still photos from that meeting. So... Yeah, but which Facebook page is it? Is it Biddeford Victims? Is that what it's called? We're going to have success. We will have success. Uh, let's see. 20 hours ago, did you post it, Dottie? Citizens hold meeting amid sex abuse allegations. Is that the name of it? That one's on YouTube also. Um, I didn't find a web page called Biddeford Victims, but I did find something that looks like you put it up. Shared a link. Let me get the link, see what it is. Citizens hold meeting amid sex abuse allegations. Oh no, that's May 28th. That's an old one. Meet. Goodbye. That's not the one. <clears throat> oh, good. Is that it right there? If it is, I'll just put it on and I'll play that. Okay? And then um, after that, if there's nothing that anyone wants to discuss, then we'll um, see if Desert Pete has anything he wants to talk about. Um, and we'll get that on there. All right, I'm going to put that on then. Stay here for a few minutes, Dottie, so you can answer questions as they come up, all right? Here it goes. Well, I just returned from the uh, city council meeting in Bitterford, and uh, I cannot believe the experience I just had down there and uh, what, what people saw in me was I was triggered badly um, by the uh, big thug cop that was sent over to where we were standing and he intimidated and basically threatened uh, Norman right out of the room and he tried to start a fight. He was sent there to start trouble and uh, he was hoping for violence. I know he was sent there to do that because state troopers in the back of the room uh, who were also sent there to intimidate uh, were just watching and smiling and they didn't even make a move to handle this disturbance. They, they knew exactly what it was. And uh, it, it's pretty sick. Um, and whoever that cop thug was, um, I plan to file a, uh, a complaint with uh, Chief Beaupre and uh, the Attorney General and uh, whoever is your certifying uh, entity in Maine, I'm going to request that you be decertified. Now, if you have an ounce of character or if you think you're a man, uh, you might want to come forward with your identity to save us from having a look at the uh, TV news footage to find out who you are. Um, I doubt you will, because you can't have any character as uh, a man um, and be a, 
we may never go back to Bitterford again. I don't need to ever be there. I'm not giving up on this this cause. Uh, I I simply do not need to go to um, that most dysfunctional, whacked out city of yours. Uh, Alan is a very dangerous person. Uh, you've got a city council that just does not care. Uh, Alan doesn't care about the victims. City council does not care about the victims. Nobody cares. Uh, your, your, your entire city populace doesn't care. And uh, I think that's what uh, uh, Beaupre and Dodd and, and Gaudet and uh, everybody else uh, was counting on. No, nobody cares. It, it, the, pet, the children of peasants don't count. And, and that, that's the reality of it. it never uh, has it been so distinctly illustrated that in Biddeford that there's the peasantry and then there's the uh, political ruling class. And Biddeford just loves that. Either you're connected or you're not. And if you're if you're not, you're a peasant. And if if you're a peasant, then uh, you know you're, you're to be devoured. Uh, your children can be devoured. Your land can be taken. Uh, you're to be arrested and fined and just totally abused in what very, very sick city of Bitterford. Um, I don't know what you cops are proud of. When you're when you're getting up on those po- on that podium and spouting on and on about how it's the best bloody police department in the world, and you're wonderful this way and you're wonderful that way. Bullshit. You you have the worst city in the state. You've got a whacked out drug problem, out of control. You've got a crime coming off the hook. You people are proud of your performance. You're pathetic. You're pathetic. You know, and and, and you know, we, we pretend we support you, uh, the victims and such, but you know, no. Not anymore. Not when you deliberately put time between uh us, uh, the survivors and being able to Um, but we're still going to go ahead with the 
the victim testimony DVD, and uh, I can visit with uh, all the federal agencies and media um, without ever having to go back to Bedford. I don't need to go to any federal district court in Bedford because you don't have one. Um, so I can go to Augusta. Um, so I will, I will continue on, but I don't need to be subject to your very dangerous and very sick city. Uh, you had nothing to be proud of, Alan, and Chief Beaupre, and that city council. I'm sorry, you guys are you guys are beyond belief. That's a very sad situation, very sad commentary on America, and uh, you know you're you're not worthy of of, of anything. Well, I don't think there's a question how he feels. <laughs> that was a um, what I would call a condemnation piece, um, an opinion piece, someone's view. Looking from the outside, all I see is that the city of Biddeford has some very serious problems. And what we always say, if you follow the law, and if the law applies to everyone, then you don't have these types of problems. Oh, no, it certainly isn't. Anyway, um, while that was playing and I was listening to it, I put some things in the chat because today in the news, uh, Old Town, a detective no longer working with the department up there, um, already been removed as though he never worked there. That's how they do it now. It's, just, it's a personnel matter. Um, but the partner that is shown in the article with the man, um, they were getting an award the partner is out as well because of something to do with the evidence room. So who knows what it relates to, drugs or evidence and crimes or who knows. We just know that there's a lot of corruption going on, and that's what we get to see in the paper is some little headline that somebody no longer works for a certain department and that it's a personnel matter and they can't tell you anything. Um, Holden Police Chief on administrative leave. Holden's just a little town. Old town's bigger. Old Town is a, used to be a very big mill town, but kind of dried up a little bit, but it's still a fairly big town. And, uh, you know, there's things going on that are just, it's the corruption. It's everywhere. But like I said in there, um, the reason why they're stressed is because good people are starting to expose them, and it's because people have stood up. And so Dottie is one of those people, and I certainly 
want to say something good about Dottie because she is standing her ground. She is saying what needs to be said, and she's not taking any crap off anyone. So I'm going to be saying prayers for Dottie because I think some of these people are nasty and dangerous. And so I'm going to say some prayers for Dottie. Dottie, you're doing a wonderful thing. Um, and I will, you know, look up some anything I see that I want to know about, I'll look up and I'll let you know if I find anything. But these people, some of them aren't even in the state of Maine. They're interacting from other areas, and for some reason they have an interest. That raises a red flag for me. Why would they have an interest in what's going on here? Now, things like the Zumba prostitute, remember that whole thing down there, Kennebunk? Yeah. We've got the we've got the cheater database from <laughs> that's been all over the news. People who signed up so they could cheat on their wives and stuff, and how supposedly anonymous brought that out. And then we've got these people calling into the talk shows that say they work at the Pentagon, whether they do or not. I don't know. I can't imagine that they would be allowed to call into talk shows either and talk about it. But they seem knowledgeable, so. Either they were told to call in or they were told to expose Hillary or whatever. White hats. I would like to think it's white hats. but um, These things, I believe, are intertwined, and that's why I always talk about them all together. And it sounds a little scatterbrained to people that come in that are new, but the ones that come all the time, I'm sure, totally understand why, that it, it is everything. It's all the system, banking, insurance, money, trade, um, political scene, high-ranking social mucky mucks that think they're somebody special, and then the ones that are high-ranking that are supposed to be doing a job for the government or for the people that aren't doing their job. They're getting too cozy with others. Um, pretty, pretty interesting. Yeah, Ashley Madison, that's right. Thanks, number four. So... Um, yeah, I saw the thing about the uh, town manager, too, the Bucksport town manager. Bucksport is just down the river here from Bangor. It's um, I've talked about that place before, too. They have a paper mill down there that closed. It was a big deal, very emotional. And uh, I talked to you about one of my former students writing a song that he wrote in 10 minutes that everybody really related to, and it was made into a music video. I don't think I've seen the finished product. I'll try to find that. Um, so it's like the the um, people who are attacking our governor all the time are trying to blame him for everything that's going wrong in the state that they see, and actually it's a systemic thing, and it doesn't relate to political parties. It relates to corruption and power and uh, getting control of the state for whatever interests these people have. Um, there's been little bits of this and that about drug dealing lately, drug trafficking, We've had some big busts up here, and uh, you know, like someone said to me the other day, how do they just decide to randomly stop a car that's full of drugs? How do they do that? Oh, it was a random traffic stop, and we found like all this stuff. Yeah, right. Probably like somebody's competition with the uh, established business in that area. But people are much smarter now. They're much wiser. Um, and I noticed that the tide is changing. I was going to mention that because I want to give a little shout out to the work of people like um, Dottie and others. Um, I do think the tide's changing a little bit. Um, 
people were on the governor's Facebook page today giving him a hard time about one of their projects right now on the other side is to tell the governor they want him to resign because about three or four weeks ago, I mean, talk about being timely, not very, um, he was he said that um, he wouldn't need to be impeached, that if the people didn't want him there, that they could write to him and, you know, they could just tell him and he would leave. And so they've decided they're going to do this big process of let's all tell the governor to leave and maybe he'll leave like he said he would. Very childish, not unexpected, but I believe it will backfire. So I haven't gone over there tonight to see whether or not all that stuff was still standing, but... They were just popping into his Facebook page like the children that they are and saying, you should resign. It's time for you to leave, you know, and just insulting him. So, um, As he would say, not going to happen. So, um, Valium says, don't they have drug sniffer stoplights in Bangor? That's funny. I don't think so, but who the heck knows? Maybe they do. Um, the EBT cards brought up a lot of discussion this week, too, because um, everyone was critical of the governor because he was saying that there was waste in the welfare system and that people were abusing their benefits and things like that. And all all that was heard was like, constant attacking of the governor. Like, it's not true. Why are you picking on the poor people? These people need help. They don't need you to pick on them and that kind of thing. Well, in some of these big busts they've had lately, they have found EBT cards mixed in with the cash. And of course, it's like this huge, like, oh, it's shocking. Why would they have all that stuff? So they'd steal these people's EBT cards because they can't think. They cannot think. They're not probably Stealing the EBT cards, they're getting the EBT cards as payment. They're using them as currency, as trade. One of the comments I read this week, somebody said, I saw somebody in line at the grocery store, and they were buying groceries for somebody else to use the card. Yeah, they were probably told, hey, you owe me 50 bucks, and if you don't take me to the store and buy me some 50 bucks worth of groceries, you're in big trouble. So they're trading using it. Um, and it's a sad situation, but it's one that people, they're decisions that people make. Personal responsibility. Don't get in those positions where you're having to uh, pay off some drug habit you have. Go for help. Get cured. Feel better. You know, assistance is for people that need it. It's not for people that are you know, abusing the system. It, we cannot afford to take care of people's bad choices in life. It's just the way it is. Getting help is supposed to be so that you can get back up on your feet. And I know people that have used it for that reason, and they've done a really good job of never needing it again. So, um, And there's been people that have questioned some of the um, things they've seen going on, which in the past had not been happening. So I find that really good, too. The more things change, the more things stay the same. <laughs> Chaos theory. I've been thinking about that this week, too. Chaos. Chaos creates a lot of opportunities for change, but um, it's also that chaos is always present. So I was thinking about that. It, you know, They change, but they're also the same. 
nothing new under the sun, that kind of idea. So I think I got through all of my things I had highlighted to make sure I got them in. Yeah, help. Here's here's what I see as our responsibilities, okay? This is from my standpoint, what I feel I'm responsible for. I will help people that work. I would help people that work. Um, I would help people that need assistance for whatever their reason is for needing it. I would help them. I would help people that ask for assistance because a lot of times it's a temporary thing. What I won't do is help people that are lazy, and I won't help people that are trying to game the system for their own benefit. I won't help those people. Um, and let's just hope that the changes are going to go for good things from now on. That's that's what I'm hoping. Some of these things, all they have to do is start, uh, you know, arresting some of these people, putting them in jail. Some of these officials that aren't doing their job, um, get them out of there because, you know, we've we've pretty much got the the uh, leadership in this state pegged as to which ones are driving most of this stuff. And it's less than 20 people, I believe. So they just need to be finding other things to do with their time. And we need to get some people in there that are decent, that have a set of morals, have a conscience, care about people, get them in there to do the job. So, you know, if, if the laws were followed and they were fair, you would find that there would be a lot of people would show up to help with almost anything you want, but they're not going to participate in a criminal activity that's, that's going on in their city. So anyway, um, all right then. Um, Desert Pete, you said you might have something that you want to talk about, about cash tonight, something new. Also, I'm going to say, you know, some prayers for those people out west who are still having really bad fires. My nephew is a firefighter for a Bureau of Land Management out there, and he's been posting a few horrifying-looking pictures in the last few weeks. And uh, those people put their lives on the line to save property and people in the way of those huge wildfires. So, Belly, I'm wondering if people are running away because of the uh, onion breath she has because she made onion soup. We talk about food in here, too. There's all kinds of stuff in the chat. So if you're listening in later on and you want to see the chat, just go to chatgrabber.com, enter 94426 for the ID number of the show, and pick the episode you want. Tonight's is 214. And I'm unmuting Desert Pete. And guess for is saying, hey, Desert Pete, you old coot. <laughs> That's what uh, you mean. I don't know who four is. I think it's... Um, Possibly it's John, uh, maybe. I don't know if it's John or not. Somebody that comes all the time, I think. Cootie used to be a bad word back in grade school. But, uh... Yeah, cootie, but this is old coot. Oh, okay. <laughs> Did you ever hear that expression? Old coot, yeah. Uh, yeah, you old coot used to mean what? like a curmudgeon or something, some old guy that's set in his ways. Back in the Wild West days, of which... Uh... It's still kind of wild. Um, yeah, I'd say it is John. Number four is John. Okay. Hello, John. Uh, yeah, several things on here. Just skipping all over the board until I get my, to my main topic. Uh, 
Jeff Rents wrecked, wrecked another car if he missed the show last night. Really? Uh, he uh, shopped around and got another uh, Toyota Land Cruiser because I, I guess he feels that that heavy car is what saved his life the first time. Yeah. So he, he says he's just pulling out of his driveway, and I guess it's, it's a downhill going to the main road. He's approaching the stoplight, and he goes to apply the brakes, and they don't work. So he reaches over and pulls the lever on the parking brake, and it comes all the way up and doesn't engage anything. So he had to take the ditch at about 30 miles an hour. Uh, says that uh, a couple of airbags went off. Uh, he, fortunately, he was able to walk away from this one, but uh, after he gets it towed to the shop, he says that they said it's uh, like $7,000 damage, and since it was an older used car, that's essentially totaled. Uh, so he... Did you, uh, did you happen to hear that interview where Field was on with George Lees? No. George Lees was talking about the two people that he thought people should listen to regarding, you know, world things. He was talking about all kinds of different topics. And he mentioned someone by the last name of Henderson, I believe it was, and the other one was Jeff Rent. And that was within the last week. So I was going to go listen to some recent stuff from Jeff Rent and find out who the other guy was because I'd never heard of him. And I don't think Field had either. So, you know, it's just one of those things Uh. where... This guy has already almost been killed in an accident, and now he's had another one. To me, that boosts his credibility in a way, right there. Is is that Henderson, the associate of Stu Webb? I don't know. I can't remember the first name. I wrote it down, I think, but yeah, cause it was Stu the Webb interview. Is, that, yeah, Stu Webb is all over the board. Uh, yeah, I remember that, too. Uh, and he's got an associate that the name is ringing a bell, and, and Henderson might be the same one. But uh, both Stu Webb's associate and Rents had a serious accident the same day, and ironically, Desert Pete, one of Desert Pete's business associates, was traveling in a foreign country and got killed on the same day, and also in a traffic accident. But that's another long story I can't even begin to go into because I don't have all the details on it yet myself. There's been so much hidden. But uh, April 24 was a bad day for a lot of people. I don't know what uh, what the reasoning for that uh, that coincidence was. Um, yeah, jumping from rents, uh, Henry Macau ran an article about uh, uh, the late Admiral Borda, who was uh, apparently murdered way back during the Clinton administration. What was his name? Admiral Borda. B-O-O-R-D-A. I'll recognize that. He was, uh, uh, had climbed to a pretty high level in the Navy. He was in charge of all uh, naval forces in Europe. Okay. Well, if I ever knew, I forgot it then. Uh, and he, uh, the, the released report was that he had committed suicide over the shame of not wearing an appropriate medal properly or something like that, some some asinine excuse. Uh, but Henry Macau found a, a clip of uh, the late William Cooper commenting on Borda's death, pointing out all the uh, inconsistencies with the story and the fact that an official autopsy was never released. 
uh, it claimed that he committed suicide by shooting himself twice in the chest. Yeah, I explained that one. Yeah. Uh, but William Cooper pointed out that uh, the uh, the gauge of the weapon used was not a standard U.S. Navy issue, and he said it was actually a gauge that most Navy personnel are t- trained to avoid. That uh, no, that that that's a toy to them. That that if you wanted to shoot. If you wanted to do some serious shooting, you would always use, I think, the 44 or 45. I, I don't know guns enough myself, but it was something up in the 40 caliber range. was the preferred Navy weapon. Uh, but he was killed by a 38. Uh, anyway, uh, so Henry Macau pointed out uh, quite a few inconsistencies and uh, said it, it really traced more back to uh, Illuminati control of, of matters. Um, uh, I'm bringing it up because Admiral Borda happened to graduate from the same high school in a small town in Illinois that I did. Wow. And I uh, sent a few comments to Henry Macau, and uh, he up and posted them for me. <laughs> so huh. he le- huh. left off my, my full name and email address. But but you'll see one of the comments, of uh, if you can find that article, that, that came up in the last week. Uh, on Henry Henry Macau's page, which is uh, SaveTheMails.com. Mails is M-A-L-E-S. Yeah. Uh, and uh, anyway, poignant article, just pointing out that whenever you hear of a suicide of a high-level figure, it's time to get real suspicious. Well, I mean, I found this guy that was talking to Field, this George Lee's, um, some of what he said was very credible to me, and then I thought, he's talking really fast. He's talking really fast. He's collect, connecting dots. He's taking a person listening in whatever direction he wants to take them because you couldn't possibly have a thought while he was talking. Um, and so I was kind of like, I need to listen to that again because I'm not quite sure what's going on here because he kept saying, are you aware of that? Are you aware of that? And Field would say, no, no, no. And then he would start talking about something else and he would drag all these Really, it's an interview that you should probably listen to and see if you can get anything out of it. There were some things there that I knew were true for sure. There were some things that I thought, huh, how did he get from there to there? You know, like I couldn't jump with him because I didn't have time to even think about it. And he mentioned this Henderson, and I can't remember the first name. If I heard it, I might know it's right. But And Jeff Rents. And I thought, Rents? You know, I know that he's done some really good interviews. He, you know, I liked his interview with Charlotte Isabel for one thing. But yeah. um but I never would think of him as somebody that would be an expert on any particular thing, more like just a flamboyant um kind of out there interviewer. I mean, I've listened to some of his stuff and I think it's pretty good, but it just isn't somebody I would say, "Hey, you know, if you're going to listen to anybody, listen to Jeff Rents and this guy." So I was like, okay, is this guy like somebody who is pushing people towards rent? I couldn't quite figure it out. And yet he was, uh, George Lees is a person who is fairly well known apparently, and I believe in UK. I think that's where he's located. He's got a very strong accent, so it's hard to, he may be Scottish or something. It's hard to follow him because he speaks fast and he's got an accent. But yeah. Um, I think he said he was like a neuroscientist or neurosurgeon or 
yeah. neuropathologist, something to do with neurology, and he just was really smart. I mean, but I tell you, I, I'm telling you, I scrutinize every darn thing I hear now. I don't hardly believe anything the first time I hear it. I have to listen to it several times and try to attach it to something else that I know for certain because there's so much stuff out there right now. It's just it's almost like throw it at the wall, see if it sticks. See if the public will accept this one, right? That's how yeah. it feels. Uh, just a rhetorical comment on my part, but why do people who their their native language is something other than English, but when they attempt to talk English, they talk English really fast, and we Americans cannot understand them because they're talking English so fast. And I'm thinking maybe that they're some languages are spoken fast. If I was attempting to speak another language, I think I would take my time and enunciate each word as best I could yeah. rather than talking well, real fast and, and, and to be understood. In so you'd be understood because you're trying to communicate with someone. Yeah. Because, uh, yeah, uh, yeah I've, I've had to listen to a lot, a lot of Nigerians lately, and, and well, Cash himself has, a, has the, the Belgian oh. accent, or Belgian or Iranian. I'm not sure which country to blame him on. But, uh, yeah, trying to decipher accents when people start going real fast. Or the, uh, there's another East Indian speaker I've been listening to about, uh, quite a bit lately who, who also talks quite fast. And, oh, uh, boy, you, you really have to strain to ram your, your, English, your own lang- English language, which is our native language, to, to ram all that quickly together and, and understand what he's trying to say. It's, yeah. it's a challenge. Um, Rents is the only one covering the the damage and the the horrible disaster from Fukushima. Uh, the only thing I would criticize is Rents is not showing any solutions. That uh, I'm looking at scientists and physicists that do have ways to remediate radiation. They're not getting the time of day from government or anybody with money. Uh, so there are things that could be done to start lessening the problem of Fukushima, but nobody's willing to fund the people that know how to do it. And unfortunately, on Rents' end, he's not even reporting on the ability of anyone to do it. He's just preaching doom and gloom. So that's the only criticism I have on it. What do you think happened in China? I think you were talking oh, about it earlier, maybe, in the chat. Uh, do you have any theories on that? Okay, now jumping to another guy I quote quite often because I highly respect him on 99% of the stuff he does, and that's Jim Stone. Now, his view on it, uh, again, he's half right, and then he kind of jumps off a cliff into theory. So on, on the part that he's rock solid on where he shows photographic proof, he shows a satellite picture before and after of a few days before the blast, and then after the blast. Well, after the blast, you then see where the crater is at. And then you compare it to before, and the news media is telling it, us that it was improperly stored chemicals in a warehouse. Yeah. You look at the image beforehand, and as to where the crater eventually would be at, there is nothing but an open parking lot there. Yeah, that's what I'd heard, that there was no warehouse. That was a 40-foot container hauled in and parked that probably had a nuke on board. Yeah. 
to cause that. So uh, definitely nefarious stuff and a lot more than just a little carelessness in storing chemicals. Uh, who did it? I don't know. We always have our, our, our favorite culprits that are high on the list. But yeah. uh, I, I should Well, there's so much going yet. on right now in the control world and the financial world that we don't know whether or not it's just some kind of a message being sent to somebody. But there, what did yeah. they say, 21 tons of TNT was the explosive effect of that? Uh, I haven't. I, I, I haven't remembered 21 tons. Yeah, I haven't rem- remembered the numbers yet to to do a comparison. I don't know if it's as bad as a, as a Hiroshima nuke or uh, or what yet. Um, I forget what I was listening to. Uh, something else that was was news to me. Uh, getting back on the Manhattan Project, which, I, which I've talked about quite quite a bit, because I do have some inside knowledge on that. Uh, still, it was, it was something else was kind of vague to me. Had you ever heard the definition of why one was called Little Boy and the other was called Fat Man? Um, I don't think so. If I, I mean, it might be something that could be triggered a memory because I'm sure that it was told to us at some point. I just don't remember. Yeah, well, I finally heard the reason for those two oh, names. Oh, okay. One. Yeah. A little boy referred to Roosevelt, and Fat Man referred to Winston Churchill. Oh, nice. In that cool. it was a joint alliance of the the American and and UK forces, which we now see. If you want to start using nasty words, the joint Zionist forces that decided to uh, strike. Uh, uh, Hiroshima and uh, and Nagasaki, um, which is kind of creepy, but so was the whole story. Uh, I got that out of a uh, a lengthy um, interview that uh, a lady I've quoted often, uh, Lorraine Murray, did on uh, Alfred Weber out of uh, Canada. And that's a long interview that, uh, again, will probably put put you to sleep, but uh, that, that little tidbit came out of that. And I've been listening to so many long videos lately. Man, I'm going oh my gosh. coffee like crazy. You uh, have to do it, though, to get the two or three little pieces in it. Well, that's it. I think that that actually, even though it seems like it's so tedious, because it really is, if you can get the hang of it, and this is just advice for anyone, if you can get the hang of just turning something on while you're doing something else, you'll find that your brain will be able to do that. Most people, they can listen to it, and if something strikes you like, hey, they're talking about, you know, it'll perk you up, you'll be able to listen to it, and then they can do their droning on about everything else in, in life. Yeah. Like, actually, like we do, too. And in a way, it when you think about it, being disorganized and having like a long program like three hours long with maybe 25 minutes of what's important in the middle of it or scattered throughout is a way of hiding the truth in plain sight too it's one of the ways that it's one of the ways that uh, you can um, make sure that it's out there because it's not right okay tonight we're going to talk about right (laughs) we're going to talk about Hillary Clinton's email server well all they have to do is get rid of whatever you said Somehow, oh, but an unfortunate accident caused it not to record, right? 
but if it's scattered about everywhere, they can't find it all. They can't get rid of it all because somebody's yeah. talking to someone else, and it's almost too fast now. You you know, if you turn on the radio and you listen, there'll be people calling in. It's like, hey, this is really important, but I don't have a way to save it, but I'm going to listen to it. And then you find something else. You go, oh, my gosh, here's another one, right? Yeah. And that's... some of it's just in our heads. That, They're not going to be able to get rid of all that stuff. That's that's the media rich world where we live in of just having yeah. to jump from one thing to another and you're right. Some jewel of wisdom just pops up in a casual conversation and you don't even remember what program you were listening to when you heard that. Yeah. So you don't know who to quote, but oh my goodness, that was that was a powerful thing to remember. Yeah, uh, I just don't I try not to even worry about that anymore because I used to. As a librarian, you always annotated everything you wrote or you know, showed where you got it. Yeah. Who cares at this point? We don't even know if it's true anyway. So why not look at the big picture and use your own common sense? It's probably just as good as any. You can always, like I always taught the kids, you can always go back and find out where this is. You can go find a source later. Uh, you you just hit on a, on a powerful nail here. I, I got to stop you and bring you back to it. Okay. Th- this Bye. is important. Uh, yeah. our, our ongoing rhetoric we use here in the show, you and me, of, of what can you believe out there. Yeah. Uh, we got this really big story now being covered both in major media and alternative media. But I'm seeing a major inconsistency here. I'm seeing a headline that after all this weeks, Hillary Clinton finally turned her email server hard drive over to the FBI, but it had all been professionally wiped. Okay, that's one headline. In another headline, we're saying, oh, Hillary's server had X number of classified and some top-secret emails on it. Now, wait, those two stories conflict with each other. Excuse me. Was her Was her server blank before anybody looked at it, or did somebody get a chance to look at it before she wiped it? It's one or the other. Now, I'm seeing headlines on otherwise good news sites that are going all over the board. Was it wiped, or did somebody looked at it? Look at it. And they don't know because they're not doing any investigation. All they're doing is reading what comes up on the teleprompter. Well, exactly. They don't know what even they're saying. Is she guilty of having classified satellite pictures on her hard drive? Or did she wipe it before anybody could look at it? Which is it? I, I'm, those are two conflicting stories, and I, I don't want to go on a, off on an argument supporting her or condemning her unless somebody can answer that basic question. Has somebody actually looked at what she had on her private hard drive, yes or no? And if so, who looked at it? Was it FBI? And since when does FBI start flipping things that they find out to the news media? I know. There's something just fishy about the whole thing. Even the people that I played that had called into that show, it's like, okay, what is the likelihood that these people would call in? On a scale of 1 to 10, I don't think it's high. I really don't. Well, Because people that do that kind of work for a living – would be protecting it. They protect their job, and so I don't think they'd call in and be quite as open and frank as that. I mean, it might happen on a fluke, but we had three in a row. Where they might is the fact that granted, uh, talks you 
has a potential worldwide audience, but the raw fact of the matter is you're not getting five million hits every night listening to this right, program. But this we've got was, we've got maybe a dozen Michael people Savage. listening to the show. Isn't and he on just isn't he on regular radio? Michael he, Savage? He is on broadcast radio in some major cities. So he's yeah. got many thousands of people listening to this program. Consequently, when you've got a broad brush like that, you just might have somebody of that caliber listening. But and say anxious you were working in that. Say it was you. Would you call and say everything those people said? When I worked in that environment, I could not. That's what I mean. I'm I'm thinking that certainly somebody would know who they were. The woman the woman sounded extremely knowledgeable, but she also could have been extremely knowledgeable and put up to it too. Didn't because she say that she used to be a contractor, but now was uh, was crypt- independent or something? Used to be a cryptologist. Cryptologist, yeah. Uh, well, I've made comments about the Skunk Works, which yeah. I tell you, prior to 1990, I wouldn't dare. Yeah. But I walked away. I cast my last shadow on Lockheed back in 1990, so I've, I'm 15 years removed from any kind of a classified environment. And most of the stuff that I worked on has been yeah. not just Long declassified, gone. it's been decommissioned. They don't even fly yeah, them superseded, anymore. Superseded, it's been buried. Yeah. Uh, the the stuff that I worked on way back when is all history. It's 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 American history of various aircraft and such. Well, and see, so, this is what I was thinking is because they have different factions that are working within the government systems too, that it could be one faction fighting against another, and they figured it was a good time to start taking you know. Hillary out. Um, well, Kelly uh, was saying she thinks they were scheduled to call in. Well, but I don't know. Uh, in a way, I agree with with Vel. However, uh, the sound incredible. That that's the next issue. You're not going to yeah. get a, you're not going to get an actor to sound that credible. In, no, in I agree areas. with that. They know something about what they're talking about. Uh. Actors can read scripts and they can inflect this and that, but uh, uh, the, the technical that have, have con- contact or have worked in that kind of environment would know right away that there's no way that Hillary just Google searched something or you yeah. know put it on her like he said. You don't just write to Hillary at pantsuit.com. <laughs> right. That's right. Well, well, That's right. I mean, we know this, but the general public think everybody when they go on the internet they go online they're going to the same thing which is like electricity yeah. it's something you plug into and it's just flowing in there they think they had privacy if they signed up for that madison whatever it was website they think they had privacy and that they shouldn't have their privacy invaded which is really that is a, that is really actually funny we would call that a, a stitch up here in maine that's a stitch because who who how um, numb would you have to be to think that nobody would ever get that information? <laughs> oh, well. Uh, yeah. Well, that's just the challenges we go through. But, uh, but again, my rhetorical question I'd like to throw out tonight is, who looked at her emails to know if there was something classified there? Or... Did she manage to wipe it all before she showed it to the FBI? It's one or the other. And if she wiped it before she handed it to the FBI, 
Now, now I have to insert a comment from Jim Stone, former NSA himself, who says that I don't care how bad you wiped it, NSA has the ability to look at what used to be on that drive. That may be true, uh, but regardless of what level of sophistication was used to inspect that hard drive, the, the next question is, FBI is almost always closed mouth about every investigation they do. And they'll never tell you what what happens until they reach their final decision. Which, if a politician like Bush gets involved, their final decision might be total baloney. But uh, they'll never tell you what uh, what their investigation is uh, is coming up with. Well, uh, what about if um, the other idea is there, which is that um, it's just the device over which. Um, information was transmitted to another device, which means that it traveled, which means that it could have been recorded at any point within that network. Yeah. Because they would definitely have a way to capture all of that stuff and wouldn't even need her server. Am I right or not? I think I'm uh, right about that. Well, because there's probably all kinds of places along the way in these communications where things are, you know, rooted off somewhere if they do it to the general public, they certainly as heck would do it with the secrets of the government, I would think. The very legitimate point that I've, I've got to dwell on here for a moment of how did it leave the secure environment? That's the big issue. Yeah. Once it leaves the security environment, then yeah, NSA has got nodes all over the planet grabbing this and grabbing that, and it could have instantly become public. Uh, I've encountered well, people he, with... He was like a special kind of, you know, special, in quotes, kind of person. She yeah. wasn't getting it from a public source. She was getting it from a, a shadow government source or whatever. Well, It didn't that's... necessarily have to be stolen the way people are thinking. It could have just been diverted to something that she had control of. That was a comment I put in the chat board, unfortunately, my fingers got in the way of each oh. other and I typoed it and my spelling was atrocious and so my comment didn't even make sense. Uh, oh. my, my point was uh, the whole issue with security is you can scream security all you want but politicians can walk through anything and politicians get away with murder. And it, I saw that. I, I just witnessed that at Lockheed that I had to go through an 18-page personal security clearance, and then the building that I worked in, uh, the the electronic code on the wall for me to walk through the door had a scrambled code. In other words, it was not like the first key was digit one, the second key was digit two. No, the numbers on that keypad changed with every person that walked through. If my so my numbers that I punched in were in a different position every time I entered that building. Okay, that was me to work there. I remember a day quite clearly when there was a Pentagon inspection. And I remember working in, in a particularly large room and seeing the, the large sliding doors slide open and in walked about twelve to twenty executives from Lockheed, a handful of politicians, and Colin Powell. Yeah, I remember you telling about it. Uh, and Colin Powell and all of them walked right by my desk. I was about three feet away from all of them. Yeah. Uh, 
did those guys have to go through that kind of clearance? Uh, no, they had respected positions. And, well, they oh, probably also had somebody who had a clearance to already have vetted them. Yeah, I, I don't know what they individually had to go through up at the front of the building before they entered that room. But uh, I, I I just know that politicians are treated a lot different than uh, than normal people. Well, the thing with Hillary, this is the thing that I was saying the other day to somebody. We were talking about her because I had another mysterious visitor again. Actually, it wasn't a mysterious visitor that was new to me. It was somebody I've talked about before on here. Somebody who came to a yard sale like two years ago or whatever, and I see occasionally comes back and was here like yesterday. Yesterday, I think it was. Um, and I started thinking, you know, I'm not that paranoid of a person, okay? But I find it really interesting when people visit me and talk about Hillary. But it is in the news right now, so I'm not going to go there too far. But let's just say that the stories this person has told me in the past indicated to me that they were involved in some activities while they were in the military that they're now supposedly retired. And I made a comment, actually, to this person and said, well, you never know who's around gathering information. And uh, the person's wife said, oh, he's not, he doesn't do that kind of stuff now. He's not violent or anything. Are you concerned about that? And I went, no. I said, I just know that there's people that gather information that aren't, you know, that, do, that can be doing covert work without being violent. In other words, oh. just out around learning stuff. And... Uh, and they both laughed. And I said, so whether it's true or not, it doesn't really matter because it's not going to change anything. And, and, it, and it, I mean, it could be totally off the wall, but the more I thought about it, I thought, well, how would you gather information from somebody without arousing any suspicion? You just show up once in a while and ask questions, you know? And um, it's just because we sell stuff. You know, they supposedly are going by and they stop and talk to us. So it's somebody that we've seen several times now. And I, and I laugh because it's like, huh, you know, Hillary. It's always Hillary. But I think, I really think that she's not just a politician. I think she's one of the, you know, leaders. Oh, she's an insider par I mean, excellence. she's not like a Nancy Pelosi. She's like a, she's like a leader of the shadow government. She's one of the people that's running things. Yeah. And so she would definitely have more access than just the run-of-the-mill person. She's not Secretary of State anymore. I don't know why they haven't already arrested her for anything she had after she left office. She shouldn't have had anything left. Well, because politicians get away with murder. And yeah, Lyndon well, Johnson made it through one and a half, or well, he made it through a full term and then died halfway through what would have been a second term, I guess. I, I forget the exact dates. But Lyndon Johnson murdered 11 people before he made it to the White House. And it's kind of the same level of crime with just about everybody who's been in the White House since Lyndon Johnson. The, the last guy with any ethics was John Kennedy, and even he couldn't keep his pants on. Uh, but as far as running the country, he was actually pretty good. Uh, but ever since Lyndon Johnson time, it's been a parade of one psychopath after another. Uh, my God, we got cops flying around my house now about a million miles an hour. 
sorry about that. That was like two or three in a row. So something's going on definitely because that's not a usual occurrence over here. Anyway, police, continue. Sorry. Police cars or helicopters? Yeah, no, police cars. They, police cars. I live on one of the main streets, and so uh-huh. they. I tend to have fire department and stuff too. But this guy, when he came around the corner from coming up from downtown, he flew right uh-huh. around the corner, and it was like, whoa. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, I guess just closing out just as to what can we believe. Well, uh, Trump is is gaining in in popularity quite a bit. Suddenly the media is pretending to to not like him, even though they're spending a lot of time putting his name up in front of us. So I, I personally tend to think he's just another media creation. Don't forget he used to have a TV show. And I think that's why his name is suddenly popping up, as, oh, he's he's one of them, one of the TV guys. Uh, he's saying a few things I like, but he's sure not right on everything. Yeah. And uh, I'm a little surprised at people who should know better, like Rents, uh, suddenly highlighting Trump for the few things that he's saying right. Uh, yeah, it's like, but, here comes another police car. Something is definitely going on. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just distracted by that because it's yeah. so unusual. Well, yeah, I don't, I don't know, but that's what I would say is that's what we should be looking at because when you look at things over time and you see that there's, you know, um, like all of a sudden this person that was always talking about this other public figure and that they're great and everything, and now they've jumped to this other one. It's like, what the heck is going on in the background that's making that happen? Because you, you get used to who is with who. Like, whatever. where's Karen Hudis lately? Boy, she was <laughs> right. everywhere for a while. She was everywhere. And some of these oh. people, they're on the scene. They're really hot. Everybody's listening to everything they say, and all of a sudden they're gone. And well. you see some other person come up. As I've commented all too often about Kim Kardashian, it's as long as her media publicist gets his regular payments, you will continue seeing that name ad nauseum. And as soon as her publicist stops getting regular payments, she will disappear. Who is that? Kim Kardashian. Oh, Kim, yeah, I don't even know. I mean, I guess I could maybe pick her out of a lineup. There is no reason. So I can't. The, there is really no sane reason for that person's name to be in the media as often as it is. It is simply paid publicity, simple yeah. as that. Uh, and the same story with I think with with Trump and the, and Jeb Bush, people that have encountered Jeb Bush and and met him, just say the money flows like water. You know, the other thing, I haven't gone and checked into some of this other stuff about Jeb Bush, but something that happened this past week, and I was, like, going to say something, and I went, no, I'm not going to say anything because I don't really care. But I think I'm going to mention it because the people here actually research things. But you, are you aware of his his uh, Venezuelan connection? Uh, no. I remember it from when he was... Um, you know, when back when the election things were going on, and that's where I started really getting into deep 
research because I was so mad about that election. Well, I know he, ha- he has a Hispanic wife, and his family yeah. involved, is, is heavily involved in oil. Now, does I think he was living two? in Venezuela. There's some connection with him in Venezuela that's in the back of my mind that I remember researching a lot about at the time, but now it's been 15 years, so I'd have to go back. Yeah. I, I don't even know if I kept any of that. It would have been on another computer somewhere in my house. That's how old it is. But... Um, there's been stuff going on in the news lately about Venezuela, and no one ever mentions about Jeb Bush. And I think he lived there for a while. I don't think it was like he was just visiting and working. I think he lived there. Was it a somewhat normal business association? or I think it had what? to do with the oil industry, just like you'd expect it would. Yeah. I'm going to uh, do a quick Google well, and see if I can find anything. We're, we're seeing the oil industry... Um, well, we have to go back to, to Lindsay Williams' inside info from up the Alaska way of their they're manipulating the prices, but that ties into uh, the, the Zionist attempt to try to get America to go to war with Russia, and so the Zionist forces that control oil uh, have dropped the price of oil to hurt Russia, um, this whole chess game gets pretty complicated at times when when you see pretty nasty stuff done. And, well, it doesn't look like the bad guy did it, but, no, the bad guy did do it. He He just moved a different piece on the board than you expected him to. And and maybe he well, and it's these little tiny little things that stick up. Like you're watching the news, or you see some piece somebody's doing, or some interview, and you're just like droning on because like, oh, I've heard this a million times, and all of a sudden someone drops something in there, and you go, hey, I know what they're talking about. And that's yeah. how I felt when I heard whatever it was, and I went, he used to live in Venezuela. Don't ask yeah. me why I remember it. I it could be because when I was a kid, I did a report on Venezuela. I remember doing a report in school, so it was like the country in South America that I had to write a report about. I don't know why I remember it. It's just that it's there, this little piece. And I'm like, what the heck? Some of these people, too, they interact and they go to the same places, and you think, did they know this other person? They were right there at the same time, but they've never talked about it. You know, That's how Uh, I feel when I see this stuff. But by dropping the price to hurt Russia, they also did serious harm to Venezuela with oil price dropping like it, like it did. Uh, and just what's the Bush perspective? Well, they've got enough stashed up money all around the planet. They don't care which one of their business interests takes a dump for a while. Yeah. Uh, they've got enough money to recover. But uh, Venezuela was heavily uh, run by oil profits, which suddenly diminished when oil drops from 100 a barrel to to below or down in the 40 range. Now, uh, that's that's more than a 50% cut in in their full revenue, and that that hurts. Uh, this this and your police action there kind of segues into what I was about to say about cash tonight. And uh, Valam's comment earlier is, no, 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 don't make me listen to Kesh. Uh, I, I know, me too. It's hard. I, 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 I hear your comment. <laughs> uh, 
which is kind of a shame, and the show's running kind of long tonight, so uh, I won't play it, but I I had a 16-minute clip of Kesh conversing with an American oil chemical engineer, and the info that came out of that 16-minute conversation is enough to knock you off your chair. Uh, I will try to encapsulate it here in just two or three minutes in in Desert Pete English. Uh, We've heard for years that out of a barrel of oil, only 47% of it ends up as actual gasoline in your tank or diesel in a trucker tank or aviation fuel in an airplane. Uh Only 47% of it. Well, when I've heard that term before, I didn't think too much of it. I just figured, well, that means 53% of it is lost to evaporation or maybe it's it's an inert waste item that ends up as landfill or something happens. to. I mean, matter just doesn't disappear. Uh, if you've got a full barrel of oil and you're only using 47% of it as the final product, that means 53% disappeared somewhere, and who knows what it was. And nobody ever elaborated on that for me until this conversation. Uh, tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to find the clip, and anyone is welcome to go listen to it uh, on their own time. Uh, give me a minute to uh, find it here. I said before, I can't type and talk at the same time. The police are still going by my house. I just put in the chat a couple of minutes ago. I bet there's been 10 that have gone by so far. So I wouldn't be surprised if it's something like a standoff or something because they never send that many cop cars to anything, like a big wild something or other or something big uh, happened. Yeah, Cash has commented that since the, uh, the USS Donald Cook incident, uh, yeah. And once the Italian government learned more about him, uh, he has regular helicopter surveillance over his house, and it's a protection service coming by from the Italian government doing it. Uh, So suddenly he is watched close. Are you still there? Okay, yeah, I, I was okay, typing. All right. Oh, the, all right, the I link is up there. Uh, feel okay. free to bookmark it and listen to it at your own uh, at your own leisure. It's 16 minutes long. I could maybe take 16 minutes. Um, well, I don't think Vel Am can, so I'm I'm trying to be polite <laughs> to, the, to the rest of everybody. And as 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 long as the show is running tonight, I don't want to tie people up for another 16. Well, minutes. I will make sure that I do uh, it as homework. How's that? Uh, okay, but I'll uh, do homework. Uh, unlike most of these other videos that I'm wading through, the audio on this one is actually pretty good. Uh, in it, Cash tells you what happens to the other 53% of the barrel. And like I say, when I heard it, I immediately had to copy this audio clip off of the video. And the video is not a, a YouTube. First off, it's three hours long, and it's not on YouTube. It's a little hard to find. Uh, 
so I couldn't direct anybody to the video. But uh, I had to grab this clip, and I sent it to two of my oil associate friends, both who have got an extensive background in oil, and this shocked them. This is something oh, they didn't goodness. even know about. Huh. Uh, the, uh, the, the teaser I'll give is that there is something in that remaining 53% that we never knew about. And the profit that the oil companies generate from that missing 53% is astounding. Hmm. To the point that Kesh closes off by saying, when you pull into a gas station and buy a tank full of gas, they should hand you $100 for taking the waste off their hands. The 53% is so stinking profitable that the 43, the, the 47% that they sell us should be considered as simply waste material and you're taking it off their hands for them by, by running it through your car. Right. Um, so that this goes on to uh, what, what the te cache technology can do. And since it was a video, and I'm sure, sorry, this is really going to sound like a, a teaser and people are going to hate me after I say this, but what was going on on the screen while he's making these remarks, like I say, it was a conversation between Kesh and a retired oil industry chemical engineer. The oil industry chemical engineer was showing rather fuzzy webcam views of this laboratory he had in his home where he was pulling gold out of his well water in the backyard. That would attract your attention, that's for sure. Uh, yeah. He was... Uh, now, because he was a chemical engineer, his background was in conventional chemistry and conventional physics, where Kesh is, of course, introducing something that's... For, almost from another world, that's that's plasma physics. And I'm getting a tremendous education. Listen, Shucks, I'm over 20 hours into his videos now, and I, I couldn't begin to tell you how to run the stuff yet. It does get pretty complicated in the long run. But uh, Well, I'm hoping I get enough time that I can sit down and just look at it and listen at the same time because yeah. I think it would help. Because it's hard, it's hard if you don't hear every word and mm -hmm. the accent and everything. It's just really hard. But I think if I was sitting right there, I might be able to do it, maybe with headphones well, on. Well, so, old Desert Pete, each new episode of Uda, you're going to hear me backpedaling here. <laughs> I have to apologize for previous week's comments. Uh, what, three weeks ago I said start at video 68? No, 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 no. Oh, do that's not where I start. Went. Yeah. Boy, was I wrong on that. That's like taking somebody who doesn't know how to swim and getting on a boat and going halfway to Catalina and tossing him in the middle and say, Learn, go ahead and teach yourself how to swim. Well, if anybody's ever traveled between Los Angeles and Catalina and knows the exact midpoint, you not only have sharks in the water, you also have big, heavy ships going by. <laughs> That's a big shipping lane. And so to toss somebody in the water there to try to learn how to swim is kind of stupid, and it almost kills the person that you do it to. 
Uh, I'm afraid I did that to you by directing you to Video 68. Video 68 is probably the most difficult one of the bunch to listen to. Okay, so where should you start? Uh, uh, again, go back to my, my website, and I mentioned weekly classes is my key word to look for. Uh, and go there and then scroll way, way down to the bottom of his page, and you'll have to keep scrolling and scrolling as it refreshes to finally get to the bottom of the page. The video you want to look for is number 27, which is 27. way... 27, that's way off from 68. It is. You <laughs> Start have with 27? Video 27. Okay. All of these things are about three hours each. So we're looking at a at a university class level of education here, but you have to start at square one to understand anything he's talking about. Yeah. Because start, jumping in at 68, he was already doing some pretty advanced stuff at that level. And you really yeah, had no idea why. So uh, people really, if if you want to study Kesha's technology, you have to go back to video 27. Now 27, now why not go to video one? It's because somebody technically screwed up, and videos one through 26 were not recorded properly. Uh, as I've been told, somebody did transcribe what was discussed on each of those sessions. And since there was a lot of typing involved, they're selling the transcripts. So if you want to actually pay money, somebody out there has the transcripts for sale over on Amazon.com, and I don't have the link. But we're talking about laying out money, and 26 three-hour classes is going to be a lot of text to read. Oh, yeah. But I don't it, think That would be too much, I think. I don't think I would have the energy to go through that. Uh, but if you start at video 27, you'll start to get a clue of, of what all is going on with, with the plasma technology. And I'm only up to video 30, and I really think... I thank God I did not waste time in ordinary college because I just don't have the mental capacity to handle a multi-hour-long college-level class and retain anything. But now, with these very intense training classes on YouTube, I can stop it and back up and replay what he just said several times until I understand what he's getting at. And yeah. that's just the way my mind works. I can't... I'm like that, too, because if I can't yeah. get to where they are, I'll go back and do it again. Yeah. <clears throat> And again, with his accent, quite often he'll come up to a key word, you know, kind of slur it, and you have to listen to it close. Well, did he say 16 or did he say 60? I mean, there's a big difference in those two numbers there. Uh, and you got to pay close attention to see specifically what he said and in, in reference to it. Uh, now, they are video, and the, the earlier videos were actually technically better than number 68. 68, they must have had a new guy at the switch or something. Well, they so had much... somebody he brought in that wasn't even familiar with talking to a group, yeah. and he kept interrupting him. It was really hard. Oh, and the, the way they were hooking up the mics that day as a sound man, I know, oh, you guys are doing it wrong. That's the wrong way to do it, and just one problem after another. So... Uh, uh, my recommendation at this point is if anybody wants to understand cash, go to that that link of where his classes are at. Uh, 
which I think is cashfoundation.com or org, uh, and then look under forums, I think, or workshops is where you would have the link if you want to find it from, from his site. Uh, but you have to start at 27 to have any idea what he's talking about. I think they were on YouTube, weren't they? Or were uh, they? Some of them are, not all of them. Uh, and as far as finding them in a specific order, you need to go to that. Uh, let me put up my news page, and you can at least. Uh, all right, I put that up. So. Uh, okay, the, the the hypertext link I have is, is on the words uh, each week, uh, the news story in column three is the Cash okay. Knowledge works, Workshops, and start with, uh, and I'll put this up in the text too. Start with video number 27. Uh, so yeah, uh, so as controversial as Kesh is, and many people think he's just talking all fantasy land stuff and just misleading people down the yellow brick road of, uh, of some kind of a cult, and no, that's not the case. Uh, uh, if you've got a level of intelligence in manufacturing, whatever, and you pay close attention to what he's talking about from video 27 up, uh, it is making sense, even though plasma technology is weird, and it's not like electricity going down a wire, and sometimes it acts like water going down a pipe, but not always. It doesn't always have the characteristic of water in a pipe either. There's various nuances of each either either one. So uh, it it just takes it's a lot of information to wade through. So looking at my clock here, here I've just spent 15 minutes talking about as technology as it is, but yeah, uh, but right. that that clip uh, will will enlighten anybody as to what's uh, going on with uh, with the missing other half of the barrel, and we're only using half the barrel in our gas tanks, uh, which will just anger the daylights out of you when you when you see how much. Uh, how much profit they're they're uh, they're ripping off of us? Well, we knew they were ripping us off, anyways. Yeah. Because gas is not that expensive, and they put about a billion taxes on it and stuff, so that they can get you no matter what you do. Yeah. Uh, what? Just looking back in my past of oh, one stretch in my life, I I lived up in Palmdale and had a job down in Hollywood, and that was an hour-long drive each day. That was 50 miles. And there's a lot of people that have long drives like that to work, and you're just pouring half of the money you earn on your job into your gas tank. Yeah, that's just, what you do. You spend your money so that you can go to work and make money for somebody else. Yeah. Well, in, they in did it so they didn't have to say they had slaves anymore, even though they actually do have slaves. Yeah. Well, the 
the reason that happens in Los Angeles is because the other cartel in town are the realtors who just keep, every time they fix up a house and sell it, man, they jack up the price as high as they can. And so the neighborhoods are just so drastically overpriced to live anywhere close to where the jobs are at that that's why people live 50, 60 miles away and, and drive into the city every day is because the, the real estate prices are just so atrocious. Order half a million dollars for a rundown place? That's ridiculous. Uh, but uh, so be it. That That's just the, the economy that uh, that we've been forced into by the bankers that... Uh, that are the big owners of the the oil company stock. So uh, anyway, that was my biggest eye opener this week. Uh, was the cash round down my list here. Uh, personally, I don't have a car yet. Uh, I think on the last show I mentioned I had a lead. That, oh, a guy was going to bring bring something over that night to show me. Well, he didn't show up, and then he disappeared. Uh, I really have to wonder how. Uh, I get these potential blurbs of good news in my life, and then people just up and disappear. Uh, I missed the whole thing because I dropped out on that. Oh, Before okay. You're off at three hours, and I came back, and you were, and I knew you were telling me something that I missed. Uh, oh, something oh, yeah. happened that was good, and then okay. it didn't pan out. Is that it? Uh, yeah, I was just laboring. I don't have a car yet because uh, I, I get a clue on, on somebody with a, a reasonably priced vehicle in the next town. And, oh, yeah, I talked, finally talked to him on the phone, and he was going to bring it over and show it to me that night. Well, he didn't show up. Oh, that was last week. That's right. Last week. And then when wow. I tried calling him the next day, he didn't answer his phone. And then I tried sending him a text, and the text wouldn't go through to his phone. So I think he got so cash-strapped, he lost his phone since I talked to him. Either that or he was a scammer. Just well, well, you don't deal with somebody that's not reputable anyway. You don't need that. Lay out that's money true. something that's no good. He was recommended by somebody I talked to face-to-face, though, so oh. I, I, hmm. I don't know. Well, it's hard um, to say. There's an awful lot of stuff going on lately with that kind of thing where people are just losing their phones, they're losing everything. Yeah. I don't know what's going to happen. You know, hang in there, I guess. Uh, well, I've, I've, it's one friend of mine that was offering to help me cover the cost of getting a $2,000 car, but I had to send him a serious email lately, and I said, well, I'm still nervous about looking about that, looking for that price range car because that's the kind of car only a mechanic should touch. After all. Uh, I'm not a mechanic, and the part of the world I live in, we're still seeing 110 degrees every day. And by the way, it was, according to the Weather Channel, we were still at 112 degrees at 9.30 last night. Uh, We're we're getting kind of a second heat wave out here. And you don't want to break down on this weather uh, between towns. So 30-mile stretches and then 70-mile stretches between towns, you just don't want to break down in 110-degree weather. Uh, so I'm a little nervous about driving uh, a cheaper car. I, uh, the only thing I, I'm seeing any car dealer sell that has any kind of a warranty on it starts at $10,000. So uh, that's the dilemma I'm in. 
But uh, this cross-references to what I'm learning from Kesh, and Kesh is teaching people how to take simple hardware store components and assemble a lot of the stuff in your kitchen. And I need a car to get over to Home Depot 30 miles away to start making the stuff that I could be making for $15, $20. And I can't I know, even get over to the hardware how store. Little, little money would put people back on the track again. It, it's back to the old, for one of a nail, the shoe was lost, and et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Well, it's exactly. for lack of a set of wheels. And I think I've mentioned I've, I have run into a few kind people here in town that uh, one fellow, funny, oddly enough, was Egyptian and uh, he gave me a ride to the next town, and that was great. And he, he tells me, oh, I go over there uh, three times a week. Just give me a call when you need a ride. Well, funny thing about human nature, uh, the first time you find somebody going the same direction as you, it's no problem to give them some help. Uh, as soon as you call and ask for a favor during an inconvenient time, suddenly you're a pest. And that's what I'm encountering, is all these people that were nice to me once, as soon as I call them back, well, I'm not that convenient. So I just hate being in, a, in the position of a beggar, and that's what it amounts to. I know what you mean. You feel uh, like you're imposing on them. Yeah, and, and as far as assembling anything that Kesh is talking about here, it is surprising how he's actually accomplishing some extremely technical stuff with household chemistry yeah. in a plastic bucket on your kitchen table you're you're doing nano coating in microns that's stuff that only expensive labs talk about doing but he shows you how to do it yourself and it's something that i could start on but i just don't have wheels to go over it. And and I know for, from every other project I've started in life, it's never just one trip to the hardware store. No, it isn't. You always right. forget to buy something. You got too much of something and not enough of another and vice versa, or you forget another component. And then I'll start the next video in the series and realize, oh, well, here's another component you need. No, it's another another trip back to the hardware store. Uh, I know I need to have wheels to get back and forth there. So uh, anyway, that, that's the dilemma I'm in now is I can't even start this stuff until uh, until I get wheels under me. And uh, uh, there's rumors of a car available for 2000. I have yet to see it materialize. The the guy who claimed to have it can't even show up or doesn't even have a phone to answer anymore. Well, that's, that's the mess we're in. And and going back to rents, he commented that this uh, uh, car that he just bought, he had to buy from somebody in Virginia, I guess, off eBay, because there was a particular model model number, a particular model of Toyota Land Cruiser that he liked, and that's what he found, and got it from a guy over in Virginia or something. But uh, he's bellyached that, well, back east cars have salt and corrosion problems, and they're not maintained as well as those of us who live out here on the West Coast to know that a car might be able to last 15 or 20 years if you just maintain it. Uh, and so, so he was grumbling about back east cars, and I'm grumbling about any cheap car. <laughs> but I need something that's reliable here. So yes, I, I, 
that's my ongoing dilemma, and I apologize for everybody. I, I whine about that every time I'm on, on the show. But uh, hey, we have hardship. Back to life. We have to have somebody who cares. Yeah. Because I mean, really, you could probably sit there by yourself and whine about it. Nobody's going to care then, for sure. Cause yeah. It's like just you listening. But well, you know, every everything that's so difficult right now is like a lot of it's just ridiculous. I mean, it really shouldn't even be this way. So hopefully we'll get something going soon. I think I just, I keep saying, how can it still be standing? I don't get that. It has to be just something that we haven't even thought of holding all this apparatus up because, you know, our common sense tells us there's no way that this whole system could still be standing because there's nothing operating it other than that people believe it's still there. Yeah. There's nothing there's nothing. There's no money to hold it up. There's you know the people that are running it don't know what they're doing. And then you've got a bunch of dishonest people that say they were elected, but who knows if that's even true. Yeah. What what really hurts is when uh when you run into people that are even worse off than you are, which yeah. I've run into. And... Yeah, me too. <coughs> And I know somebody who's who's got. I don't want to begin to go into what their problems are, other than they needed me to run a personal errand down to Los Angeles for them and knock on a door and simply ask somebody a question. It's somebody they don't have a phone number to. Uh, that I don't really have the exact mailing address. I do have an address that will get me to a door to knock on, but that's not necessarily where that person gets their mail at, so that's why I can't really mail them a letter. But I need to go knock on a door and ask somebody a simple question, and that will solve an awful lot of problems for this one person, and I can't even do that because I can't get into Los Angeles. Yeah, that's that kind of stuff drives me nuts too because it's like yeah. it's a simple thing. It it's is. just a simple, small thing. Yeah. Now, that's it, why it, I said if I had unlimited funds, I would have a foundation that would be a real one, like the real thing. Like yeah. you could say, hey, all I need is $40 to do these things. Yeah. You know what I mean? We can't even freaking get $40 from somebody. Yeah, or or in my case, if I if somebody would just rent me a car for a day, it would be nice also. Yeah, But as I've Simple. elaborated on prior shows, I only have debit cards to my name. I do not have any credit cards left. Thus, they are no rental companies will every- rent to me. That's right. They and I've seen other people run into that too. But they're playing every kind of way they can to make it difficult for people to just operate in life. Yeah, and it's, it's so they can have control over it. It's so. one more nudge and one more nudge and one more nudge, and before you know it, we're all in a corner. So you, yeah, right. And they boxed everyone in while they weren't even noticing it. Yeah. So did you did you have um did you say that people can't really use scooters because it's too hot? Is that the reason they can't use scooters there? Uh, well, some people do. It's uh, it's awkward. Seems like it would be dangerous uh, if it's hot. How much cargo can you carry on a scooter? Is True. it uh, a car seat is is ideal for groceries and such? We have uh, people here driving little little uh, old Honda little scooters and stuff around town. I keep seeing, and I just uh, I had one. I bought it at a yard sale. Yeah. But I had to sell it last year to raise some cash, and it wasn't running like it was when I first bought it because it had been stored. Yeah. But wasn't it the coolest little thing? It was just like a 
one of those little tiny ones. And, and uh, uh, I think somebody's probably driving it around town and loving it right now because that thing, I bet it would go 100 miles on a gallon or something. I've got another annoyance starting here in town. I've I've uh, been graciously thankful about Family Dollar showing up in town that at least have yeah. some simple line of groceries yeah. for me, except yeah. hiking down there in 100-degree weather the other day, three-quarter mile hike each direction, uh, handwritten sign on the door, the ATM network is down, cash only. Huh. Uh, which on one day I absolutely had to get something important done. Uh, well, that that was the hot pizza thing. I day uh, yeah. story on that. But, so that means another half mile hike to a different ATM network that fortunately was running for me to get any cash that day. But uh, on on this last hike down there. I had a real important letter I had to mail. Well, it was my brother's birthday, and he's several years older than me, so I, I really had to get get the thing off in the mail. Uh, fortunately, I borrowed a little cash from my roommate just in case, and yeah, that that enabled me to pay the postage. But I was going to pay him back by going over to Family Dollar, get a, a, a cash back, and, and pay him back the, the same day, except that the ATM network was down, so... Now I got three dollars to my name, and all I could buy was a pack of cookies. <laughs> Which, for future reference, if you ever live in a really hot environment, store your cookies in the freezer. <laughs> you you won't have to bite into any ice, but but biting into co- cool cookie dough is uh, is much more pleasant than room temperature, hundred degree cookies. <laughs> so. Yeah, true. I don't have to live in that usually, but we've had near a hundred this week. There may have been a hundred somewhere in the state, but it's been darn close. Hot, very hot. And we don't have a lot of people here don't have air conditioning even because they don't usually need it. It's usually only really hot for a couple of weeks, if that, and they just go somewhere like to the lake or something. But yeah. <clears throat> it was bad. And yeah, let's see. Last thing in my bellyache list here is: uh, Are you familiar with the uh, financial commentator uh, Max Kaiser? Heard the name before. I've probably watched a few things. Uh, he gets quoted a lot by, uh, well, Alex Jones and Mike Rivera, and yep. quite a few of the the sites will quote him often. Uh, he's usually pretty good in his comments. He's based in London. And whether his studio is actually across the street or whether he's just using a backdrop, I don't know. But the view behind him from his regular weekly show on on RT is a picture of the City of London Bank. Hmm. Uh, The big... Probably uh, uses it as backdrop, I'm thinking. uh, Yeah. And you can put a camera anywhere, and if he's sitting in front of a green screen, they can then bring in that camera's view, and that's probably what they're doing. I don't think someone stands in front of the White House when they do White House report. Well, (laughs) uh, surprise to me, he did a a live show. Well, he did an originating show from Chicago. And uh, when you think of Chicago and finances, I mean... The town's mayor is Rahm Emanuel, with all of the corrupt political ties he's got, and you've also got the uh, 
the carbon trading scam that Al Gore is running is done from Chicago. So, I mean, there were a mountain of, oh, and the number of, of London banks in Chicago are, is numerous. So if, if Max Kaiser, the real corruption exposure, uh, goes to the city of Chicago, he's got plenty of targets he could be lampooning on his show. What caught my attention, the location they planted him was literally, it was outdoors. It was in a location I remember. It was in Lincoln Park, which is at okay. the north end of the uh, of the city of Chicago. And the exact location he was standing, I recall walking there before. Oh. Now this goes back 40 years. When I was in my 20s and I drove new cars and took my dates to expensive restaurants and whatever, so it was a completely different life in those days. But I remember the view from that location, and it was beautiful. So if anybody wants to uh, see the location I'm talking about, it's probably the prettiest view of Chicago you'll ever see uh, from, from Lincoln Park. And you Just go to rts.com and look for the financial news and Max Kaiser's report from Chicago. And just you don't have to listen to the whole show. Just click on the first two or three minutes, and you'll see how, how beautiful the, the gorgeous skyline is from that location. So he gets to that beautiful location that suddenly has, I have fond memories of, fond personal memories of that exact location he's sitting on. And he opens up by cursing Chicago pizza. I'm thinking, you got so many criminals in that town, why did you just attack the only respectable thing in the city? <laughs> so, so Max Kaiser lost all my respect this week. <laughs> He opens up with a profanity about uh, about Chicago pizza, and I'm thinking that's one of the best pizzas in the world. If you everybody needs to try it, it may not be your favorite style. I'll, I'll grant it; everybody has their favorite styles, but it is a unique style. Everyone needs to, to taste sometime in their life. Uh, it's the deep dish I'm talking about. Yeah, I heard about that. I don't know if I ate any there because I went to Chicago on my adventure, whatever year that was, uh-huh. and uh, had a blast. But I went by myself because I was trying to prove that I could do that and not be scared because mm-hmm. <laughs> I wanted to do it as a bravery thing. And um, I loved Chicago. I thought it was great. I didn't think it was anything like I'd ever pictured it from the old school books and everything. But... Um, I don't think I had any idea of the danger that parts of that city have. It wasn't as bad as I would have heard on the news. That wasn't my impression at all. I I got a lot of, um, maybe it was just where I was, I don't know, but most of what I saw when I was there was just what I considered to be, um, you know, a middle, um, mid-America, you know, type city. Mm-hmm. It was like the neighborhoods, you know, the way the neighborhoods were, were like yeah. where you'd expect the mid, you know, mid Well, the, the, the winters are brutal, the summers are hot and sweaty, but I, I just have to keep focusing as the last week of April and the first week of May, Chicago is one of the prettiest cities in the world. I right was there. there in November, I think, or either late October or or sometime in November is when I believe I was there. And I thought it was gorgeous, especially that huge park by the lake. 
I, I just couldn't believe that there was such an easy-to-access park for a city that size and that how many people were there enjoying it. Yeah, well, there's, there's Jackson Park, which is uh, the centerpiece there is Buckingham Fountain, which is well, I don't big. Know That's where big exactly and enormous. But then up on the north side is Lincoln Park, which has a small sandy beach on the lake as well as a, a big, long walkway. That might have been it because when when I was there, all I could think of is, my goodness, they have like diagonal parking so you could put tons of cars in here. Uh Anybody could get out anywhere and walk. And it was next to the lake and there were huge rolling lawns. And as I was driving along, there were people playing frisbees. They were running with dogs. They were playing touch football. Yeah. Um, different groups of people doing things all across that whole place. And I just thought, man, this is a gorgeous place. I would love to spend time right here. So if that, maybe that was Lincoln Park. I don't know for it, sure. Uh, it is. The, the the lakefront in Chicago, like I say, as long as the weather is decent and last week of April, first week of May is the time to be there. They look like an ocean beach. Uh, yeah. Yeah, uh, but it's fresh water, so it's a little bluer yeah. than uh, than regular ocean water. And with lots of parking, I could have got out anywhere I wanted easily. Yeah. And and it was the same largely any place in the city, because the way it was laid laid out, you'd go up a street and there would be like a neighborhood, and they're just houses with driveways, and you could just park in front of somebody's house and get out. Yeah, it was not hard to get around. It was not hard to find. Anything that I wanted to find, I could find really easy because of the way it was laid out. The only thing I didn't find was the bean. I wanted to see it. I wanted to go to Millennium Park or whatever they call it there and see the bean. Yeah. And um, I couldn't well, find it. I went around and around and around, and I couldn't find it, so I had to get up. In the 70s when I lived back there, you could actually park on the street and go to a concert at one of the big theaters and come back out, and your car is not vandalized. It's That's nice and I safe, and I no problems. On the street. But but this is oh. Chicago, and granted, even in the 70s, we we had to start using quarters in the machine rather than nickels, so it started getting expensive. But uh, but it was still street parking, and you could park your car on the street for like three or four hours at a time, uh, which is great for just doing a hour and a half concert and what whatnot. So uh, it was it was a safe city, and as long as the weather was decent, it was a pretty city. It was a, a very well maintained city. But boy, have things changed. But yeah, anyway, I, if, I think if, that uh, there's probably certain neighborhoods that people don't go in. Oh well, yeah, uh, and I, I am talking about the 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 downtown and lakefront. I'm not talking about the south side. The south side has been a problem for many years. Um, I think, well, the railroads come in on the south side, uh, and that used to be the stockyards, uh, cattle and whatnot. I was up somewhere near where Wrigley Field is because I went to a concert at a little theater up in there. Okay. And that's, that's where I parked was up near there. There was a McDonald's directly across the street and I remember I was I called my boyfriend from when I left the theater which was fairly late. I bet it was one o'clock in the morning, something like that. Um and of course it was late it was later here 
when I called. But I was walking with my cell phone. I was talking to them on my cell phone, and I said, I, there's all kinds of people out here. I can't believe how many people are out here on the street. There are people, like, wandering around. They're having a good time. They're coming in and out of these places, and mm-hmm. and um, they're all having a good time, and I'm not scared. I kept saying, and I'm not scared, because that's what I was trying to do was not be scared of going somewhere, you know, somewhere I wanted to go just to go. So I was like, and I'm not scared. And I'm walking up here, and I could see Wrigley Field, and I saw that earlier, and it's this is cool. And I'm, like, walking through the McDonald's parking lot because I'm going to the other side where I parked on a side street, right? So I'm walking along, like, everything's good. There's people all around. I don't feel nervous at all. And I go around the corner, and people were fighting in the McDonald's parking lot. And it was a fairly violent fight. Like, somebody was pounding on someone's car and telling them to let them get in their car, you know, and they were yelling at them. And I thought, oh, my God, this isn't good. So I went, okay, I'm a little scared now. <laughs> so I'm walking what, through the parking uh, lot. And I said, I'm not paying any attention to them. I'm just walking. So I walked straight through, went over to the rental car on the other side, just a little ways up. It wasn't even a block from there, like hat, probably three or four car lengths up this street. Got in the rental car and drove away. I was like, there, I'm in the car. I'm driving away. <laughs> I was like, oh. But, I mean, it was late at night. I still can't believe I did that, but like, what I'm fine. Really, Everything's good. Yeah, what really hurt the south side of Chicago uh, and did irreparable damage was when the term low-income housing started, and I think it was way back in the Eisenhower administration as far as Chicago was concerned. Now, I'm sure local politicians gave it a twist, so you can't really blame Eisenhower for everything, but... Uh, a oh several miles of like 20 story apartment buildings were built but they just were not maintained properly mm-hmm. and the gangs took control and it ended up being a war zone between apartment buildings and they were literally shooting at each other between buildings oh uh, no, that's was, not a it good was thing. horrible it was horrible how how that now, I don't know what was there before those buildings were built, because now we're talking 1950s, and what am I? I'm a single-digit kid, uh, so I don't know what was there back in the 40s. But somebody's brilliant idea was, oh, let's build uh, low-income housing uh, for everybody to live in. And, uh, well, yeah, it's it's only new for a while, but uh, anything new, if it's not maintained properly, becomes uh, a dump and a slum, and that became the the ugly word in Chicago was down in the projects. And yeah, that was, they always that was, call it the projects. Yeah, that was the projects. And uh, living in a town south of Chicago, my dad had to drive us through there on our way up to the loop, uh, and he made sure we never stopped there. It was, uh, we stayed on a, a nice fast-moving boulevard, and we kept moving. And I never remember him ever stopping for gas or for anything in that area. That was just... Uh, I got in one little place in the in the city where I didn't feel comfortable, and it was in the afternoon, probably while I was looking for the bean. And I decided that I was getting out of there because I didn't like it. And I don't remember exactly what. It was just that the people were looking dangerous to me. They didn't look like they liked me around. So I was like, I think I'll get out of here. Oh. 
Well, looking at the clock, we're doing another long one tonight, so I don't want to <laughs> have everybody doze off and uh, leave your computer on all night and make it Desert fault. So, <laughs> but there's still some hanging in. That's kind of good. So, okay. Delam is serving food. So Delam is serving uh, blackberries with whipped cream, but she didn't offer it to us. To John and James can. We don't oh. get any. Yeah. Well, she had something early in the show she offered to all of us, and uh, yeah, forgot to tell her to email it over. But, uh. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> put it right in a email envelope and send it. There's probably people think you could do that, you know. I hate to say it. Well, if uh, if Cash gets his technology working and we all have food replicators, then... That's true. Uh, we could just think it and it will happen. We then, could sit there in the chair and it'll then, just bring it to us. Then all Vel is going to have to do is just email the uh, the computer code. <laughs> And, yeah, uh, we need feed. those directions. What's the frequency <laughs> for French onion soup? And we, we just feed that code in, into the replicator and, and out there comes... There goes another the, cop car. What in the heck? You'd think it'd be over by now. It's been like 40 minutes, hasn't it? Yeah. There's uh, nothing at all on our news site because I looked. So possibly I'll have to tell you next week. I was going to say you're you're piquing our interest. You'll have to yeah, I know. Uh, you'll have to give us a report next week. On, on yeah, just what, it's, it's got it to be about. something ongoing. I would say the last time it was like this, it was some type of standoff thing where they had to you know surround the place. So because there's been nothing else going by but police cars. So there's no ambulances. So it's not an accident. There's no fire trucks. So it's not a fire. So I think it's something mm-hmm. else. Yeah, I'll have to tell you about the big doings in, in Bangor next time, I guess. Now, Bellam's asking about Susan Collins' house. She she doesn't live out that way, so it's not her house. But the airport, it could be going towards the airport. I think it's more likely it's going to one of the projects, as we'd call it, right? Like you just said. Yeah. Housing developments that have a lot of people with low income well, that get to fight on hot nights. So if, if that's a common term across the country, then, yeah, we can blame it on Washington, D.C. for. Uh, well, they call it the projects because it was a project. At one point it was built, and they would have called it a project. A HUD project, no doubt. Yeah, no doubt. Okay, well, uh, I've had the air, air conditioner off too long. I have to get it started up here to, to start breathing yeah, I've got to go and <laughs> get ready to relax. It's 11 here, so... Well, I, I appreciate to... you calling in. I'm going to wish you well. Wish you luck getting something. Going. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it would sure be nice to stumble on a loose twenty-five thousand right now. Get, yeah, wouldn't that be good? I'd get a car working, and it would solve another personal problem too. So, but uh, in the meantime, it's uh, the only other guys that seem to land the big money. I keep looking, but. Uh, all it takes is about a couple of pounds of gold. It would solve everything if I can just find it. The way it is. All right, I'm going to sign off. Thanks for the the time. We'll uh, we'll catch you all next week. All right then. Have a good night. Okay. Good night. Night. Number thirteen. Um, we said project, meaning a housing project. We didn't call it for non-whites in Maine. In fact, we've been criticized for being too white up here. Like it's something we can control any more than anyone else can control their race. I, you know, I don't go into the racial stuff too much because it makes me angry. 
all of the United States is not the same. Every state is not the same. The demographics of every place is not the same. And I don't have hate in my heart, so I'm not going to go there. I'm just not going to. Anyway, I'm white because my parents were white. That's what I tell people when they start on that topic. And I assume people are black because their parents are black. And I love everybody. So, All right, I'm going to uh, read you one little short thing before we go because it's just a cool little poem that somebody posted that someone saw that I liked it, thanked me for it, so it showed up again. And I was like, okay, I'm supposed to pay attention to this, so I'm going to share it. It's called The Peace of Wild Things, and it was written by Wendell Berry. I don't know who that is. I don't know what book it comes from. It's just a picture of a poem, and I liked it. So just think about this for a second. It's not very long. When despair for the world grows in me, and I wake in the night at the least sound, in fear of what my life and my children's lives may be, I go and lie down where the wood drake rests in his beauty on the water, and the great heron feeds. I come into the peace of wild things, who do not tax their lives with forethought of grief. I come into the presence of still water, and I feel above me the day-blind stars waiting with their light. For a time I rest in the grace of the world and am free. And the person that posted that was a niece of mine who is half um, I was going to say Native American, which she is kind of because she's Native but from the continent. She's Her Native ancestors are from Canada. They call it First Nation up there. And she's very in tune with nature and with life. And she's just wise beyond her years. She's only in her 20s. But she posted that, and I really liked it. I liked the idea of it. And that is how she is, too. She loves to go out in nature and just, you know, bring peace to herself from a chaotic life. And um, she posts beautiful photography, and she's raising a little girl, and I'm just proud of her. So that was something she shared, and it had an effect on me, and I'm just passing it on, see if it has an effect on anyone else. And um, I want to wish you all a good night and a good week, and, and uh, stay in touch. If, if anything comes up that's important or you want to share any information, my email is gingercookie87 at yahoo.com. Don't send me junk mail. Only good stuff, something that's important. Um, because I just I don't have time to read any of the other things. I don't like chain letters and stuff like that. But I will read stuff that's important. Or if you have links that you think I ought to look at, I watch a lot of stuff and I read a lot of stuff trying to make sense of the crazy world. All right, I'll give you guys a couple minutes to share your links and say goodnight and uh, checking in with people to see if everything's going to be good. Say a prayer for Dottie, don't forget. She's got some kind of people I have suspicions about their intentions, and um, I'm thinking about her. So, And some of the new people that came tonight, um, I don't know who you are, but welcome. Come back again if you'd like to. And um, also the guests. That are here. I'm going to say goodnight then, ending the call. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? 
a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.